Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. If you would like to get into real estate, go to nicknicknick.com, look around, find ways to contact me. If you go on nicknicknick.com slash links, you will be able to uh, see all the links to, to contact me on social media if you want to write to me directly and figure out how you can get into real estate and start investing, whether it is buying properties from me, selling properties to me, or partnering on some level on some sort of deals, whether it is residential, you want some cash flow, you want to get into some fix and flips, you're interested in participating in some of the multifamily or the land development deals, where you just don't even know what the hell you want. You just want to have a conversation about how you can start putting more assets on your books, putting more cash in your pocket and building up that track record of investing in real estate at the end of 2020 to start out 2021 to be the best financial year of your life. Reach out, nicknicknick.com, nick at nicknicknick.com or go on nicknicknick.com slash links and write to me on any of the social media platforms that you will see there as well as get our free ebook, uh, how the coronavirus has affected the real estate market and whatever investor needs to know in this market. It is absolutely free. If you go through our website, you'll see the link on there to click on there. Or if you go through Amazon, you got to pay a little bit of money, but get it free on the website. And finally, this episode is sponsored by Naked Warrior Recovery CBD. Go on nickandnick.com slash links. You will see under affiliates a way to go right to the Naked Warrior Recovery CBD site. Navy SEAL owned product by William Brannan, hailing out of Hawaii living the good life. It will direct you right to his site that you can pick all kinds of things, whether it's topical gels, clothes, greens, there's all kinds of things. That site is expanding every single day with some of the most quality CBD products you can get. Put in code name A-Game as a promo code when you go to check out for 20% off. Thank you for listening. Check out this episode. You will not regret it. Two great guys, great episode, great cause. All right, my guests today on the A-Game podcast is actually a two for one. It's the first time we've had two guests on. We have Marcel Robin and we have Aaron Friedman. Both of them are uh, Sarah Jiu-Jitsu training partners of mine, law MMA uh, training partners of mine, but they are also um, the perfect guests because both of them are in business for themselves. But more importantly, they are doing something really important for law enforcement and for keeping the street safer on both sides. As you guys are going to start to hear, this episode was, uh, I think it went almost two hours, but it was great. Honestly, we could have dug in uh, way deeper on all the stuff that they're doing. Their new company is called Endeavor One, and they are training police officers and law enforcement in jiu-jitsu, and they're finding ways to tie that in to actually helping out the jiu-jitsu schools around the country that have probably been affected by COVID financially. Um, it, there's a lot of really great things that play into the whole theme of the A-Game podcast here that I could have gotten 20 directions for, but this is something that's very important. It's obviously a, a hot topic, and I think they do a great job of keeping it non-political. They don't go into controversy. They focus just on solutions and, and why this is important, no matter which side you're on. So uh, I know people have strong opinions both ways, but I feel like either way, you should give this a listen and learn about why jujitsu will actually help keep people safe. It will help keep police safe, and it will help keep criminals safer um, to stop a lot of the altercations, and a lot of the problems, and obviously that stuff results in all kinds of lawsuits and taxpayers' money. So you're you're doing something great on both sides 
for the financial side for the cities and also obviously for the law enforcement. And as I've said a million times on this podcast, having more people exposed to and learning jujitsu and at least getting to a blue belt level and having to test themselves and face that humiliation and face that adversity and have to get into some sort of shape, nothing bad I can see coming from that. So at the very least, obviously you're full, you're, you're molding a lot of the people that you're going to come across and teach and, and help like Aaron's doing with Endeavor One and Marcel's doing with Endeavor One into better people, whether it's on the job or at home. You know, I, I haven't seen anybody do jujitsu on a consistent level and have it not trickle out into other aspects of their life to make those more positive as well. So I really feel the sky's the limits there. He's already linked up with a couple of other people around the country and some big jujitsu gyms um, that are doing a lot of the similar things. Because again, whatever gym you go to, as we talk about, there's almost always a number of black belts there that are either law enforcement and or military um, that are really going to get behind this. No, none of those guys are going to say no or not be supportive of this. These guys are both very good guys. Aaron is a former pro fighter. Marcel is a former amateur fighter, both wrestlers. Marcel is a jiu-jitsu brown belt under Matt Sarah. Aaron is a jiu-jitsu black belt under Matt Sarah. He and I actually got our black belts on the same day, but he is way better than me. <laughs> so uh, it was really cool to get on. And this is exactly why I like doing this podcast, to get on and talk to some of the guys that I train with that I don't really get to sit down and talk one-on-one -on -one or two-on-one -on -one for two hours and get to to hear about them and jump on the phone with Aaron and hear about his family and the stuff that pushes him and what's going on, a little bit of his backstory. And, you know, everybody's got a great story. And I, I love getting to hear more of Marcel and Aaron's story, knowing them for so long and knowing how good they are as people, how good they are on the mat and how uh, disciplined they are for both building their own businesses. It was really a pleasure and it was awesome to get to know them even better. Both guys are friends and training partners for over 10 years. So it was awesome that they were willing to come on and talk about this. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Definitely, you'll see some ways to follow them and to uh, contribute and help participate and support the amazing cause that is Endeavor One. Lastly, I apologize for the audio. I don't know what happened. Maybe it's because there was three people on and I'm not used to doing that. But something happened that we were getting a lot of feedback. Uh, Aaron sounded great, but Marcel and I, for some reason, uh, there was a lot of reverb. The editor is supposed to be cleaning that up, so hopefully it's not too bad by the time this episode comes out. But uh, it's a little annoying to listen to it first. I apologize, but we do sign out and sign back in around the 30-minute mark, and the audio is significantly better for the remaining hour and a half of the show. So, again, I apologize. We'll keep working on fixing the audio. Hopefully it's uh, tolerable by the time this comes out. I, again, don't know why that happened. We have to look into that, but uh, I wanted to make sure I got this out. So um, hopefully it's good enough, and I appreciate you guys listening and uh, pushing through. Give it up. From my friends and training partners, Marcel Robin and Aaron Friedman. All right, my guests today on the A Game podcast, we have a two for one special. Uh, first off, we have from an uh, insurance owner uh, in New York, instructor at Sarah BJJ, personal trainer, Sarah Jiu Jitsu Brown Belt under Matt Sarah himself, amateur MMA fighter, son, husband, soon to be father, Mr. Marcel Sean, as well as. Uh, my friend who's also a jiu-jitsu guy, MMA guy, he works in the financial sector and wealth financial services, a former professional MMA fighter, Sarah Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt under Matt Sarah, founder of Endeavor One, Endeavor One, sorry, Mr. Aaron Friedman and Marcel Sean. Thank you for being on today. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast. Hey, thanks for having us, man. Thank you for having us. Thanks for being on. Even when I know people really well, I still like panic when I have to read like the bullets and I'm like, and I, I chip over it every time. Every time, without fits. So <laughs> right. it's pretty cool. I'm excited to have both of you guys on. There's a bunch of different directions, obviously, we could talk about. I think I've known each of you for probably close to 10 years now. 
Um, so we have a lot of similar backgrounds and stuff we're doing as far as uh, business and obviously what you're going into with the martial arts and Endeavor One, which I'm really excited to get into. But let me start first with uh, Aaron and have you give just a quick 30,000 foot background on yourself personally and professionally on who you are, where you've been and where you are now. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm a, like you said, I'm a, I work in financial services. Um, and right now, you know, I, I'm a, a black belt under Matt Sarah. I've been training jujitsu and martial arts for over 30 years at this point, uh, since I was um, 34, now going to be 35. Started as a young kid, grew up in Long Island, um, not far from Matt, actually. And that's how I met Matt, which I can kind of explain, um, and Ray as well. Um, we, you know, basically, I just uh, grew up in Plainview, Long Island, uh, have a brother and a sister. Uh, I'm the youngest in the family. And um, just recently moved out to New Jersey. I have three children. I have three boys uh, and even a boy dog. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> My wife chose the, the dog, too. So, uh, um and yeah, so we moved out to New Jersey. It was better for my uh, stepson. And it was so funny because... Uh, you know, you're in, you're in real estate, so you kind of can appreciate this, but uh, in, in 2016, we had a lot of life events happen uh, where, you know, we got married, uh, she was pregnant, and we ended up building our own house from scratch. So we did a knockdown in Syosset. And it was just, it was crazy because we, we built the house and then within like a year and a half, two years, my uh, stepson, Dylan, at the time, turned around and just said to us, he's like, hey, he's like, you know, uh, can we just move to New Jersey? And I'm like, what, what do you, what do you mean move to New Jersey? And that's where my wife's from. So we live now five minutes from or 10 minutes from where my wife grew up, where her parents are. And, um, you know, and, and they just, they turned around and they, and he's, he's, Dylan said to me, he's like, he's like, well, I just think it's going to be better for me because I'm going to have, you know, uh, my dad's in South Jersey and like every other weekend, I would sit in traffic with Dylan, um, either myself or my wife, primarily me, but um, she'll kill me for that shit, but, uh, yeah, primarily I, it was me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we would sit in traffic and drive, um, to down to South Jersey or meet his dad halfway. And it would just be a nightmare. We'd have to like, you know, pull him out of school like an hour or two before the end. It was just, it was, it was a hard way. So, you know, we weren't going to continue that. And he just came to me and, you know, in such a mature, concise way where he was just like, uh, listen, this is, you know, I think this is going to be better for me. So, my wife and I grilled him for like months. We were like, is you, are you sure you want to, you just started making friends here and you're going to blow that up and come here to where you don't know anyone. And he's just like, yeah, he's like, you know, it's, it's a good way for me to meet new people and say that, Hey, listen, I lived in like, you know, several States. And this is like coming from like a seven or eight year old. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And then like, Oh, he might, he maybe was a little older at that point, but um, and, and then like, you know, we took him to dinner a few times, isolated him and we were like, you know, we were trying to like, really like, you know, see if he's really serious about this. And he just like, yeah, he's like, you guys keep asking me this, but I just think it's going to be good for me, you know, as a person to grow and, and, and just to have the ability to, and I'm not going to forget about these kids. And, you know, and, and this kid, he, I mean, that, that answer was just so, I was like, damn it. I was like, give me a, give me a bad answer. You know, tell me. Tell me, like, you know, you hate New, Lo New York or hate New Long Island for, so he didn't even say that. He's like, yeah, I I, it's, it's cool. I, I just, I think it's going to be better for me in the long run. You know, less stress. I won't miss half my lacrosse games. I'll be more committed to sports, you know, like, because he'll be with his dad every other weekend. So, and we're just sitting there. We're like, we just built this house from scratch. And we're like, oh my God, this kid, I mean, this guy's literally going to like, 
I didn't even think they reassessed us yet in the taxes for new construction yet. And then all of a sudden, like, boom, this guy's there. And we're like, all right. You know, we took him to dinner one night at the Garden City Hotel and we're sitting there. We're gr- I'm grilling this kid like, you know, with the flashlight in his eye, you know, like and he just turns to me and he's just like, done. He's like, do it. And so we went to Jersey and uh, and we moved in like one of the biggest concerns for me at the time was um, was training was jujitsu and, and, and kickboxing, everything. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, what you know? And that literally was something inside of me. I was like, I don't even know what to do. Like I grew up in this. I don't know anyone else. I don't, I mean, I know obviously other gyms and schools and I've been to many of them all throughout the country, but it wasn't like, I, you know, I had my flag anchored in one place and, um, and that was it, man. You know, so I just said, all right, you know what, I'm just gonna, just gonna tough it out and just make the drive in the morning super early before work. And my office is uh, on Long Island, so I, I, I just make this, you know, super early drive. It takes about an hour, an hour and a half. I go to pool guys' classes, maths classes, everybody, and it's just, it's, it's, it's been fine. You know, obviously before this whole COVID thing, and then, you know, everything started to shut down. So, um, so yeah, so that's how I ended up in Jersey, and, um, and then basically we kind of, I turned around, and 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 once we moved in here, we tried to make it comfortable, and. We had, a, we had a flood at one point in my basement and uh, my wife turned to me and, and was like, oh, what do we want to do in the basement to redo it? Because we were like, oh, let's redo stuff slow and make a long story short. Uh, she goes, oh, I think we should do this like, like an athletic type thing in the basement. And I'm like, got it. And I just called up Zebra Mats and I was like, um, you know, remember, we, like, I was, remember what Matt has in his gym? I was like, I need it in white. I was like, and I need it now, like before, the, <laughs> before everything broke down and the guys just, they hooked it up and I got it, you know, so we, we made a, a gym in the basement. So, uh, yeah. Sick. And that's, that's the headquarters now, right? That's the headquarters for us right now. Um, my kids are training and striking. Um, I'm training my, uh, my older son, Dylan, he's 12 now. I'm training him in, um, in, in, in actually in athletics because he's, he's, he's really not interested in like combative sports and everything. So he's more interested in uh, football and lacrosse I and mean, he has a passion for lacrosse and he has a, a, a ridiculous passion for football. I mean, it's, he's studying it. He's learning it all the time. He's watching it on TV and it's just, it's, it's like I, you know, and I was nervous about that. I mean, coming from a guy that used to fight in a cage or in a ring, you know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, this kid's going to get concussions and everything. So, and I, and I like, I know nothing about football or, or, or you know, lacrosse. I mean, I, I played like one year in lacrosse and I was like, ah, this isn't for me, it, you know? And then now it's just like, I said to him, I was like, all right, well, if you're going to be a wide receiver, I'm just going to make you tough as hell and fast, you know? And, and that's it. That's all I know how to do. So, um, so he's training in that and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm having a good time training him in that. So, so family, uh, work, everything, obviously with COVID working from home and, uh, you know, just trying to keep it together, uh, you know, as far as everything and just stay motivated and, and, and just keep building and enhancing. I mean, I think this is one of the biggest and best, I know it's a hard year for a lot of people and I can't, you know, say it's an easy year or it's okay that people are dying. It's, it's definitely not okay in any way, shape or form, but I think this is a, it's almost like a reset on life for everybody. And, you know, if you don't, if you're not taking the time to kind of, you know, reassess your, your situation, either from a mental, a physical, a work-wise, or, or just your own happiness, general happiness, like, you know, you're missing the point here. You know, I don't know what else you could do. I mean, you're being locked in your house here. It's like, you can sit and complain or you can kind of prosper and build things and, 
and just go from there. Yeah, man, I, there's so many good things you said on that before I roll over to, to Marcel. Um, you know, one of them is that's that's awesome. First off, that your son had enough awareness and maturity to do that. I mean, that's unbelievable. Most 30 and 40 and 50 year olds I know wouldn't be able to vocalize that and have that mature discussion. You know, it'd be like about a girl or some stupid shit about like going somewhere else. So the fact that he was able to do that is nuts. Like hearing a seven year old be like, that, I think the property taxes over here will be like, <laughs> and I yeah. think that that's great that you guys listened to him and made that decision. Cause I'm sure that that wasn't easy for you, but um, you know, I definitely want to give you accolades and congratulations for doing something selfless for the kid, but that that's better for him. That's a big deal. And I'm sure it wasn't easy. But exactly the type of stuff, like, you know, both of you guys are the key type of guests I like to have on because obviously I'm always looking for people that um, obviously bring their A-game, but business and martial arts and the fact that you'll make that drive every morning on the reverse commute to get in and get your training and find a way to make it happen. That's the people I like to talk to. So, you know, I used to do the reverse commute to New York City, from New York City to Long Island to go train every morning over at Matt's and shout out to pool guy who does a great job in his classes. So. The fact yeah. that, you know, everybody has the same 24 hours in a day, but both of you guys are still finding family time, running a business and getting your training in, especially with all this other crap going on. You know, both of you, I can see both of you both in great shape. So you didn't let this turn you into like 300 pounds like I did. So good for you on both of those. So, all that stuff's really awesome. And, and I am a big believer in all this negative stuff and that came out of us being locked down. Maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but in the near future, I do believe we're going to see a renaissance of all these things that, we're going to see that transpired when people were locked down here. That's going to make people better. And you know, I think really um, not so much of a survival of the fittest thing, but you know, I, I think the cream is going to rise to the top for a lot of people that might not have had opportunity. It's going to create a lot of great. So, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a big evolution. You know I mean? It, it, it's hard times are what lead to big evolutions. If you look at history, I mean, if you're not, if you're not studying history, you're not listening to those things and you're not paying attention, like something's wrong, you know, because, you're not focused on what you should be doing because you can find like in the hardest times. And that's really the, which we could talk about after is it, that's what fighting is all about. You know, you know what it's like to fight. I know what it's like to fight. And so does Marcel. Like, you know, we know that it, it that's what it is. It's, it's, it's very basic. It's, you know, you have a goal, you go to meet your goal, you know what your problem is, you know, what you're, you're going to hit adversity and then you have to get past it. Like, what are you going to do? And like, you know, and, and we got to talk about some things with what Longo said the other day, because man, he was bringing back memories for me. <laughs> and oh my god i was just i was dying laughing i felt like i was like hitting the button i was like i want to i want to say something <laughs> yeah so, marcel sean give yourself hey. an intro so you've been patiently quiet over there just hey man i'm just in awe of you know what i've been saying and um kudos to him he's such a great dad to uh be able to listen to a son like that and, and make a such a selfless decision to pick up his entire life and move to New Jersey right after him sharing a beautiful home with me, you know, <laughs> you know moving all the way out to Jersey, but it's okay. Cause I enjoyed that one too. And that's the reason why I got my New Jersey license. Um, but uh, kudos to him. Um, so yeah, I am an insurance agent. Been doing this now for uh, going on my fourth year, but going on my in the industry for around 15 years. Um, I really enjoy it. It's my favorite thing to do outside of my family. Speaking of that, I do have a daughter on the way. She's due in March. So me and Marissa are really excited about that. Um, my wife is probably the hardest working human being to know. I really can't say enough good things about her. Uh, she's a teacher. And through this whole pandemic, let me tell you, everyone thinks teachers have just had like time off to chill and do nothing. Not the case at all. 
She wakes up before me, goes to bed after me, and I'm the one running a business. So let me tell you, no one works harder than this girl. So I really can't say enough good things about her. I love that, man. I love the, uh, it's nice when I talk to people, like obviously that are good people that I know that are from the martial arts background and just appreciative overall. Because most of the normal, quote unquote, people I talk to, when it's like, oh, how's the wife? Oh, man, pain in the ass. Like, I need to take a break from her. Like, I'm always like, when I go to conventions and stuff in hotels, 98% of them are dudes who are just looking for an excuse to get away from their wives and like drink for the weekend and like go around. So I love hearing like the mutual appreciation. I think it goes a long way to show a lot about you guys and the relationship you have in your life. So um, I want to pivot a little bit and talk about health and fitness because obviously that's a, a huge piece of both of your lives, my life, martial arts, and what you're doing with Endeavor One on top of that. And being business owners and especially, you know, coming home for me and dealing with some personal stuff out here with my family and realizing as people, a lot of my friends and their families are getting older, the mental health and the physical health as you're in your 60s and your 70s, like I'm seeing it now in a lot of my friends' parents and realizing how not taking care of yourself physically and mentally and just a little bit of exercise every day and proper diet really now is starting to take those effects decades later. So more than ever now, I'm geared into trying to, to really dial that back in for the longevity and better quality of life. So um, starting with Aaron, um, talk about how you found nutrition, health and fitness and how it started to become such a pivotal point in your life. Yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, it's everything I am because I don't think you can be, you know, I, I always see these people that are uh, amazing at like, at their job or amazing at like, you know, being a motivational speaker. And then you find out like the guy doesn't even make his bed or like, you know, I mean, like, you know, or, or like, you know, clean up in the morning and like do these things. I'm like, you know, it's not like a secret but there's so many things. I'm like, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal saying, Oh, I'm amazing. And this and that, or whatever. I'm just trying to be better every day, a little bit, you know? And, um, you know, it, it was, it was funny because like, you know, I was always part of, you know, eating, eating healthy and competing and fighting and, you know, and in the amateurs and then, you know, uh, eventually into, you know, a professional fight. And, um, you know, it all starts with like, you know, what you put in your body and, and your mentality and like, you know, you have to have everything line up, you know I mean? It, um, you know, your spirituality, your physical, your mental, everything, emotional, everything has to be lined up. And it all starts in the morning, you know, with me doing, doing the small things very good. And, you know, and, and, and that really kind of led me to, you know, always eating healthy, always working out when I met my wife, um, you know, I was always, I was in, you know, really good shape and everything like that. And then all of a sudden, you know, we had, then I had the experience, the experience of a lifetime. It was uh, having one baby after the next. We had, um, we had my son, Duke, uh, in 2018. And then 11 months later, we had Brady. Um, so she was pregnant for, you know, two years, you know. And, <laughs> and it was hard, man. It was like, you know, just, in, and sh the worst part is, is she didn't even have the cravings and all the eating and all the habits she, she eats like healthy. Like she, she would be like a perfect athlete if she, you know, if she were to compete at things like that. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh man. And then one day, like on father's day, a few years ago, after both babies were there, we went with my parents to like the diner, like near my, where I grew up. And I, I'm sitting there and I see a picture that my, like, I, I think my dad or no, my mom took or Pam took my wife. And I look and I see myself in like a tank top and I'm like, Bleh. I was like, what did I just do to myself? And like, I, it wasn't like, I was like, 
it wasn't like I was like out of control. It was more like, you know, I was just not me. And I knew that something was wrong. And I was like, oh my God, I got to fix this. So I just went back and I said, I was like, you know what, let me get back to where, what I do, you know, what do I do? Very basic stuff. You know I mean? It's not like, um, you know, it's even like in my jujitsu or my striking or anything. It's nothing fancy. It's more about like the basics, you know, mastering the basics. That's it. You know I mean? You know, I, I, I've had a, you know, I've had ranks in many different martial arts and black belts in many arts and, you know, a third degree black in Japanese jujitsu and, and another style of jujitsu. And then, you know, and it's like, what do I see in the common thread of it? One, I like the battle in between, right? It's, you know, it's, it's, it's like pushing the rock up the hill. I like that struggle. I like getting ready for the fights. I know a lot of guys like didn't like it. I loved it. That was my favorite. I would probably say that was probably more fun than the fight. The fight was fun, but it was like always like so fast or like, you know, chaos and you didn't really know what was going on. So how I bring this back to nutrition is, you know, I just, I said, you know what? I want to be the best version. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of guys that are doing great things in their life and making a big change in others. And, um, you know, and I kind of, I, I know that success leaves clues and, you know, and I kind of just said, all right, let me just break it down. Very simple where I want to be, you know, I'm raising three babies that are going to be men soon. And I have to be the best version of myself and be, I want, I want them to look at me and be like, wow, dad's a hero. Dad's my hero, you know? And I, and, and I don't want them to like idealize me, but, uh, but I want them to say like, I'm proud of him, you know? So how are they going to be proud of me if I'm sitting there, you know, scarfing down, you know, terrible food and you know, I get up late and I don't go to work early or do anything. So I did the opposite. You know, I'm getting up at 345 in the morning and I'm doing it just because I have more things to do in the day. And like, you know, like, even like here, like Arnold Schwarzenegger said, you know, if you have so many things to do, sleep faster. You know, <laughs> just sleep faster. As long as I can physically do it, I'm good. I'll just keep going and doing it. So you know, and especially like this year alone, I mean, like, you know, I started this massive campaign right when we locked down. I said, all right, let me go back into like fight camp mode and fight camp mode says, all right, let me just see how long I could possibly pull this off and just eat healthy, take the right vitamins, supplement, you know, and, um, you know, and just, just work out, eat healthy and, and, and keep it going where, you know, I just feel good at, you know, if I could do this at 34, I can keep it at 35. If I can keep it at 35 and keep going as, as many years as possible. And like, you know, my whole life, everyone would always say, oh, you're going to stop doing that at certain age and you know, you're going to lose it and you'll see. And all right, well, we'll see. We'll see. Bring it. You know, like, let me see how, how it goes, you know, right now. Okay, good. I'm in shape. You know, are you? No. You know, like, so it's like a lot of people when they can't do something or conceptualize something or think you're crazy. Hey, you wake up so early. It's like, all right, there's no other option. You know, so you got to, you got to keep it together. You know, and, 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 and that's the part of like having kids, you got to learn that adjustment. You get hit with that. Like we were talking about, you know, the adversity, the adversity is, is that, all right, I was on this path. I was training and doing this great thing and fighting and all this stuff, you know, start a family. And then all of a sudden you got to kind of like now, all right, how do I deal with this adversity of your kids are sitting there, you know, eating the best stuff on earth <laughs> at any time of day. And you're like, Oh, let me get some of that Duke, you know, or give me some of that, you know? So I had to learn that adjustment and, and, and really, you know, that, that helped, especially now, like even with the vitamins and everything and like, you know, everyone, everyone in like my, my town now, like makes fun of me and they laugh about it. Cause like, they're like, Oh, what supplements are you on? And I'm like, all of them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, any, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 
scientifically reading articles and studying things and looking to see what I can do to fix a problem that I see or feel or anything. So, you know, keep it very healthy and clear and, you know, just, I'm always open to kind of, you know, just look at new ways of doing things. No, I think that's awesome. And, uh, you know, I completely agree. It's, I think we all have a similar mentality. That's why we always like to just, when other people say, how do you do that? Or you can't do that. It's, it's exactly that. Like, what other choice do I have? And that's just kind of the way you look at it. I think it's huge. So for Marcel, um, two questions for you. One of them, obviously, how has um, fitness and health, as long as I've known you, you've always been posting videos with your shirt off. And I've been like, man, that dude's always in freaking shape. Bastard. But um, I think everybody knows you as a guy who's like a fitness guy and a healthy guy. Um, how did you fall into that? And then my follow-up question would be with COVID and everything like that. A lot of the gyms being shut down, especially in North for a long time. How are you staying healthy and fit during the lockdown? Yeah, man. So, you know, physical fitness for me has always been something that I idolized. I'll be honest. How I got into it is the corniest thing you'll ever hear. Uh, I'm a a big Dragon Ball Z fan, and those guys are always like shredded and ripped, and I just wanted to be shredded and ripped too. So it started, you know, in high school, just doing a couple push-ups until I couldn't feel my arms anymore. And I would just do that every single night. Didn't see results at first, but I just knew like consistent training will build results. That's the key to anything you do. It's not one-time motivation. It's consistency. It's discipline. And I just make sure that I would do that every single day and slowly but surely get a little bit more ripped, a little bit more buff. And I wrestled in high school, so that was always a good thing. And wrestling in high school was one of the best decisions I ever made. Um, that sport just really teaches you how to grind it out. It teaches you how to not quit. It teaches you how to understand your body and work past your limits, which is something that not every sport does teach. Every sport teaches some sort of discipline. It teaches some sort of uh, learning how to deal with loss and how to overcome adversity. But let me tell you something about wrestling. There is no sport like it that really brings you to the peak of that, to the pinnacle of it, and pushes you past that. Once I was in high, once I was in college, that's when I started doing uh, a little bit of kickboxing. Actually, with uh, a good friend of all of ours, Ally Quinta. Yeah, uh, Ray Janal. Ray Janal and, and I uh, joined a, a a mixed martial arts gym that's no longer in the picture. And uh, me and him used to used to go at it, man. We used to we used to beat each other up. Uh, I was a personal trainer for a little bit. I loved being a personal trainer. Let me tell you about a rewarding career. Anything I can do where I can take somebody and make them better in any type of way is rewarding to me. So obviously being a, a personal trainer was that for me. Being in certain agents is that for me too. I take people that are in a, not as good as a place when they, when they first met me and then I put them in a situation where gosh, a bit something happened, I knew they're going to be good. And that's the same mentality I had as a trainer where I was constantly pushing people to get better. Um, and obviously, you, you know, you got you to eat and cook. So if I'm telling other people to do that, I better be doing that myself. So yeah, all those shirtless pictures you saw like, that I'm putting up on Instagram, I was that that was my marketing. That was advertising. I was me saying, hey, look, this can be you too. Um, obviously, I, I changed career paths and I no longer do that full time anymore. But I am staying in my own fitness. I still wake up every morning, I do my push ups. I see how many I can do. Uh, I'm in the gym, shot and slot. Pretty proud of that. Um, and then, of course, I do my best to get my training in uh, as often as possible. 
like you pointed out with COVID and all the gyms closing down, that is making it a bit more difficult. Sarah's is back open, thank God. But I also have a crazy wife at home. So she's a little bit hesitant, rightfully so, about me going in and doing jujitsu with other people because the three of us know there's no closer contact to another human being than doing jujitsu. Maybe one other, but I don't think so. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I made some work with Aaron. Uh, one of my buddies is also quarantining really well. Joe Bugnai, he's one of our black belts over at Sarah's. So I was getting some work in with him. I was doing Brian Parnes. So I was doing that for a little bit, but I still try to get my exercise in every single day. It's a mental thing. Um, you got to feel good in order to perform well. So that's something that I've always been an advocate for. I've always been an advocate of uh, pushing yourself, staying on top of your game. I'm not a big supplement guy. Um, I do take a little bit of glutamine, but I do that mainly because it helps your immune system too. A lot of people don't realize that. Once glutamine has gotten there and done everything it can to, you know, strengthen your body, whatever's left over, go straight to your immune, your immune system. And it's a, it's a boost. So I try to take my, my glutamine every single day, especially with everything going on right now with the quarantine. Um, and then I obviously take, you know, simple vitamins. But other than that, I'm not a big supplement guy. I'll probably have to do that eventually. Maybe I can be as cool as Aaron if I start taking all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but now this, this, this is what I'm doing. And it, let me tell you, it, it's working for me. I'm happy. So we're keeping this vibe. <laughs> so it's funny. I think when you mentioned, uh, where you, I, I met Al at a seminar a million years ago, I think at that gym, um, a long time ago. And that's where I met him. And they, dude, that guy was tough, like always. Like he, I feel like he's always been like this incredible. I mean, it was just like, but that's where I met him, and I saw him in the cage, and I was like, wow. And like we started talking, and then you know, it's so funny because like we all ended up at you know Saralongo a couple of years later, and uh, you know that's where we started seeing each other and everything like that. And uh, you know, it's funny. One of the things I always said about Al is when you look at like a lot of the guys in MMA and in the UFC. You know, these are these are athletes that found the sport in fighting. Okay? Yeah. And Al's the opposite. Al's a fighter who <laughs> found a career in, in sports. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think you know what that... I don't think you understand what terror is until you're yeah. in there. And... Like, you know, you're just like, all right, it's like, you know, 30 seconds in and all of a sudden he like opens it up and you're like, all right, you know, here we go. <laughs> you know, Ray, you watching? <laughs> but just in case, you know, just a heads up, you know, and, the, and then like, again, like people are like, oh, what are you, what's, no, that's, that's like that you're in there with like, oh, you know, a shark, you know, I remember like, I, they started saying that about him and like, you know, there's so many other guys at the gym that, you know, just years of training and like, and uh, and Nikki, you know what? That brings me back to something funny, actually. Um, the guy that um, that Bam Bam fought, the guy that was like a Russian champion, right? Um, and I forgot when it was and what time it was or whatever. But I actually ended up doing like my first jujitsu tournament a long time ago as a blue belt, I think it was. And that guy, I ended up fighting for the gold medal. 
Huh. And like, and I was, I was, again, I was a blue belt at the time. I was training for a while. I was always, you know, I was always tough. You know, I never claimed to be the best or anything like that, but I was tough. You know, I was really, I was down to fight and, 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 and get it going. And like, I remember just going with this guy and I was like, you know, like, and, and I think like he won on like a point or something like on a takedown or something like that. And at the time I wasn't, you know, like wasn't a good wrestler. You know, I was just learning and stuff. I had judo, you know, I had a ranking judo and training and like that. But this guy was like, I was like, whoa, I was like, I was a fight. And I remember like at the end, and then I talked to Bam Bam later because Bam Bam and I thought, fought on a couple of cards together. And I was, and he's like telling me about that fight he had with this other guy. And it, it turned out to be the funny thing. And then when Ray was mentioning it the other day on the podcast, I was like, oh my God. I was like, I can't remember. I, I couldn't even believe like that was the guy. I remember looking it up and I was like, oh God, I remember fighting that guy. And he was like, I was like, I don't even know why this guy's here. He like felt like, he felt like he just got out of like the special forces and was like, I was like, I was like I'm a blue belt. What are you doing? Yeah, there's, there's a, there's a few guys like that for sure. That should be grabbing you and you're like, no, you know, right away. Like that's, this yeah. guy's, he's not a white brother. Or blue belt. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. So um, we're jumping back in now to pivot a little bit to martial arts. And then I want to spend the rest of the time get, jumping uh, deep into Endeavor One. But you know, obviously, I feel like it's a very important point and it leads into where we are today. Uh, starting with Marcel, obviously, you just said you were at the military. And I remember when you guys came over and it was kind of that crew of records that came over. It was like you, Al, Abatelli, Trevor. Yeah. All these guys are pretty yeah. tough. I remember Patton was rolling with him. He's like, we don't like this guy, Trevor. He's really, really good. But uh, <laughs> So um, they came over. So how did you find Matt and Ray? So um, I actually didn't come over with them directly. I came over about a month after they did. And Ray Longo was the first person I met from the gyms. And I mean, if you don't like Ray Longo, there's probably something wrong with you. Let me tell you, I, I think I could say that for everybody. Ray Longo is one of the most down earth, uh, just cool guys you'll ever meet who just gets it. You know what I mean? Who just gets it. He drops gems too. If you listen to Ray talk for a little bit, you're going to leave with more wisdom than you started with before that conversation started. And I think that's always been the real thing about Ray Long. Um, that I met Matt very shortly after that. And Matt, <laughs> that, that, that is just, he's such a presence. Um, he's always been cool to me since day one. I've always just got along with him real well. So it's a natural transition to, go from working at the old school Longo gyms, you know, working out there uh, to get an invite from Matt to come work out at Sarah's. And that was just real cool. I did a lot of emoji work first and then Matt's like, hey, you know, you gotta put the gym to get better, this and that. And I started doing that. And of course he was right. And that's always really when we're talking about jujitsu, of course. So that happened naturally to get better at jujitsu and just develops a really positive relationship with Matt, positive relationship with Ray. Uh, to the point where they both came to my wedding, you know, uh, last year. And it, it was just fantastic. I look up to those two on another level. It really is just the admiration that I think have for those two men is, is fantastic. Man, I, I could not agree with that more. I, you know, I, I know I just had Ray and Matt both on the podcast and I couldn't, I couldn't have uh, asked for like a better conversation with two more legitimate dudes. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, 
Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. All right, so we're talking uh, Matt Sarah and Ray Longo, obviously two of the best people I know. Um, all three of us are big fans of them. I can't say enough good things about the sincerity, the humor, the camaraderie, and everything that we see at Sarah Jiu-Jitsu and at Law MMA comes from the top down. Um, I don't know, uh, Aaron, I think you've known Matt for a very, very long time, right? I think I'm like one of the guys that knows him the longest, actually, because I, I met him when I was like six, I think it was. Yeah. Um, because he, so he was, I was in, like I said, I started martial arts at a young age. My dad was in martial arts. Um, my brother did a little bit of martial arts. Um, and my uncle, everybody, you know, the whole family is basically involved in martial arts. And um, I used to train at this place in Wontaw that uh, at the time I was like, it was, I mean, it was crazy. Like when I, I it would be so hard, but it kind of, it was one of the lessons that really helped me in life, which with, with this whole madness of waking up early, which was, um, I would actually go, my dad would take me to his lessons because then I would do the adult classes too at a young age. Like they, these guys just would let me in. Like I was like full out sparring with adults at like a young age, which I think today would be a little weird, but you know, back then it was like, okay. Um, so, but I would go and sit and I met, I, I would go in the morning at like, I don't know, five, five thirty something around that time. And I would sit in the, in the doorway, like in a chair, like half dead because I was so tired because I didn't know what my body didn't know what was going on at the time. But my dad would be waiting to go to his private class where he would either work with um, my instructor at the time and, and my dad's instructor at the time, this guy, Trevor Smith. Um, and Trevor was, a, I think he was the Rutgers like linebacker or something like that. He was like, you know, six, three, six, four, you know, 240. He was an animal of an athlete. I mean, just crazy, crazy strength. And, uh, and you know, I would, I would go down and I would be there and we'd, waiting for our, we'd be, we would be waiting for our class. And all of a sudden, like, Trevor would be training before our ridiculously early class with another guy who was there. And I'd be like, what the hell is going on in there? And at the time, it was this purple belt that was uh, teaching, you know, like Trevor and I would watch. And, and like my dad and I would talk about it and be like, you can't even understand what you're about to see, you know, like, you know, we watch this massive football player get absolutely demoralized by the skill sets of this purple. I, at the time, I didn't know what was going on. You know, I was like, I was just like, well, whatever that is, I was like, we got to do that. I was like, cause I, it's not looking like I'm going to be like over six feet at this point. I was like, so I was like, I'm not a big dude. I was like, we got, we got to learn some of that. And, um, and I would just watch, you know, which obviously turned out to be Matt just an amazing talent at purple belt, which was probably, I don't even know, you know, but he was, I mean, he had some, he had some claws out at the time, you know, he was, he was cutting his teeth and he was going down to Brazil and he was doing all the things that he's, I mean, now he's, you know, obviously well known for, but it was actually, I saw it live, you know, where it was like, holy geez, this is crazy. And 
all that put together, it was just like, wow. And then years later, like I would watch him all the time. Then my dad would jump in some of the classes and be like, you know, the, uh, the partner for Trevor. And, you know, he'd learn a little bit of stuff. And then we ended up training with a guy in Brazilian jiu-jitsu first, which who did train with Matt and trained with some other guys and, um, you know, some other names of Walt Bayless and some guys from, I think he, I think he's from Utah. And, um, you know, we did that for a while. And then I went to you know school. And then when I came back from college, I walked back into Matt's school and I was like, you know, and he looked at me and I looked at him and my dad's standing there. And we were like, I was like, Hey, remember that kid? And he's like, and that was watching you in the window, you know, in the door, you know, at a young age, he's like, Oh my God. And then we put two and two together. And then, you know, you know, we just started from there and, 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 you know, and it was pretty funny when I met Ray too, because I, again, we were in the martial arts game for a long time training with everybody. And Ray was always on the cutting edge of like, what was the best, whatever the best art was like, he just had this ability to kind of pick apart what was good, what was not good. And, you know, he would be, you know, with the Jeet Kune Do guys and he would be with, you know, all the different types of, you know, the, the Filipino arts and everything like that. And he would pick it apart and just know like, all right, this is good. This is not good. But he would also respect some of the arts that like, you know, like most fighters would just laugh at at this point, you know, like they, where they just be like, that's not going to work, you know? And, and I'm sure you could see like, you know, all the videos on YouTube where you see the guys just not, you know, it's not working, you know, <laughs> they just get, you know, they, they're going to like do like some death touch. And, but, but Ray had this true martial arts uh, mentality where he would respect it and understand it and look and say like, what, what's that guy trying to do? Or what, you know, is he, and, you know, and, and when I met him, it was funny because Matt asked me, when I started training, like only a few, I, I came in at, and I had my blue belt at the time when I went to train, start fully training with Matt. And um, I, I walked in and I was like, listen, I was like, let me, let me put on my white belt. I don't want to be that guy. You know, again, I came from, I had a black belt in karate. I had a black belt and I was wonderful in so many levels. If you know what I mean? It didn't mean anything, you know? I mean, it's, it's, it's like, you know, those belts don't do anything for anyone. I mean, it's great that you have the discipline. It's great that you have that, but it doesn't matter when you have an athlete who used to wrestle, who is on top of you, you know, smothering, you, you don't know what that feeling of like pure terror is when you got a guy that's like literally doesn't care that you're a kid. And that brings me back to one point. I actually ended up rolling with Big Jim before your thing. Oh, wow. I don't know why. I don't know what I was doing in there. I don't know what happened. But like I, like I said, I was like, I, I never claimed to be the best, but I just knew I was tough. Dude, I, that was the first time I experienced a torn meniscus. <laughs> Monday exploded because he grabbed the leg lock and it was so strong it just exploded. And I just remember, I was like, ah, and I was like, I think it's fine. And like, we just kept rolling. And like, it was later on, obviously years later and you know, a million surgeries later, it wasn't fine, but um, you know, that's just part of the game. But you know, and then when I, when, when I was training and stuff, I put my white belt on and then Matt just said, Hey man, just put your blue belt back on. And then we went from there. And, uh, and then basically Matt asked me, he said, Hey, he's like, you know, do you want to fight? And he came to me and I, I knew I wanted to fight, but I didn't say anything. I was like, let me go in and just shut my mouth and just do, let me just do, let me just train to the point where someone says something to me and says, you know, um, you know, they kind of pick up on it. If they don't pick up on it, that means I'm not probably, I shouldn't be doing it. So, and that's when, you know, Matt told me to go over, Oh, go to the, you know, go to Ray's. And I couldn't even find the building. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> the old Ray's roads or commercial Avenue. 
it was Commercial Avenue. Okay. I think they just got there, I think, or something like that. But, you know, um, and, and I like didn't even know where it was. But I remember like uh, that's when Matt introduced me to James Gabert. Oh, and um, and he introduced me and he was like, hey, man, and he's like, listen, you know, you want to talk about striking, you know, you go talk to James and, you know, he'll train you. And that's when I met James. And obviously, you know, James is a big, you know, he's army guy, you know, tough fighter, you know, just just a solid guy all around, always there for everyone. And, um, you know, we just started our friendship there. So uh, and, and then James would, you know, bring me down to raise. I had no clue where the building was. <laughs> You know, so like I would like and all of a sudden, like you just open this. It was like almost like in the Wayne's World movie where you open the door and the ninjas were training you know, like in the back. It was the, it was like I would open the. I found this building just said one on the door. And like I would just I opened the door and all of a sudden you open and it's like, what am I looking at? Like it was the old gym. It was chaos. There was a couch in the middle of nowhere. Like I didn't know what I was experiencing. And, and Ray. Ray didn't know my name officially until like i think my third fight with with team Saralongo, i was manji's boy because oh, yeah? he knew he knew a guy that i knew that i trained with and we kind of you know all just you know whatever and he would just be like oh yeah get in there with manji's boy to, to the other guys that were sparring and 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 all those names you mentioned the other day the al jordans the i mean the the baneys the, i mean all those guys oh my god it was crazy maloney and we were sparring and like you know yeah i mean you you want to learn how to strike you you it's like on the job training it's you know you're, you're at first it's like you're kind of just defending yourself you know and then and then you just keep going and that's why i think you know one of the things is that you know to, you know i remember when um and then chris took all the fights like you know like within like you know a few days of like you know the weigh-ins or anything like that and they said i think hire said it eric hire one of the other striking coaches he said you know seralongo in italian means uh, last minute <laughs> or something like that <laughs> so yeah so that, that's when I met Ray and you know started training with him and I I just you know we obviously you can't not like the guy and hit it off with him and and he's so used to dealing with the egos and the personalities and the chaos and I, I listen I'll tell you I'll tell you I'm not the same guy I was you know back in those days because you know obviously you're younger you're immature you're nuts you know <laughs> like um but yeah, I mean, I that I mean, just watching Matt, watching Ray, watching all the other fighters in the gym, watching and being in the room with guys that actually achieved greatness is incredible to see and be around. So, like, I never made it to the UFC, um, but being in the room and training with those guys, being a part of their camps, being a part of their jujitsu, you know, uh, rolling, sparring with them, even rolling with guys like Chris Weidman or, 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 or Drago or, you know, um, Al and Aljo. And I mean, I, I just keep, I can keep going on truck. I mean, all, I mean, there's just so many guys. Um, and it's funny because even now the next generation that's there is, you know, Frivola is there. And I actually, tra- his uncle was my instructor, Robert Hansen. <laughs> so it's funny because like, I'm like, I'm the old guy now, you know? So, <laughs> It is weird being the old guy at Longos. I remember going in there. I remember the first time I fought with Marcel at the when they were on the corner. They didn't yeah, yeah, the right. middle place yet. Yeah. And I remember like you were talking to Matt on the side and Alongo was like, Oh, yeah, jump in there. And like Marcel jumped into the bell rang and I felt like I was fighting an octopus. There was like all these feet and hands. 
what's going on here, man? But, uh, you know, go, going over there and seeing all the all, all the different personalities and all the different ways that people come in. But then I'd see guys. Um, I want to say his name is Greeno. I forget his name, but there was like a, a couple of old timers that would come in, and Lago would be like, "Yeah, just go spot with him. He knows how to work." And they were probably like our age now, like with then. <laughs> I remember he. They'd be like, "You don't know him? He's been around here forever." And I'd be like, "No." Like Patton was like the only consistent guy that yeah, all the age right, groups right. knew. And now, like, I walk in there to say, like, around Christmas, I'll come in and see Doc and see Ray. And I'm like, I don't know anybody. <laughs> anybody? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm a Longo guy. And people are like, my buddy's a Longo guy. He doesn't know who you are. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah, Pat, just so Patton's like immortal. He's still competing. <laughs> oh, yeah. He just keeps a vampire. I don't know. The guy doesn't age. It's awesome. Guy's awesome. He's hey, you know what's funny? Uh, it, it's funny that you say that, Nick, um, because I'll tell you what, our first barring session went way better than Aaron and I's first barring session. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the first time Aaron, Aaron and I sparred, within 10 seconds, I think I kicked him right in the balls. I, I'm pretty sure that's how it started. It's hilarious. And then he kicked me right back in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> that's what literally happened. Just like, I, think, I think literally it was like three or four shots that just kept going back and forth. Like, all right, you know what? Why don't we just do boxing with takedown? Yeah, why don't we just boxing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um it, it's great that you mentioned that with uh you know we are the old guys at you know at these gyms now um and not, not that we're old it's just you know we, we we're, we're more tenured than than these uh than these guys and uh let me tell you that new crop coming up they're serious these guys these guys got some talent dennis bazooka pumi nakuda all, all these guys i'm telling you they're they're going to be what keeps the Saralongo flag marching into battle and they're they're, they're going to have a lot of victories on their side and those are just two i named um you know they're obviously being led by the guys that are still there and still doing the damn thing Wyman's still in there he has a fight coming up aljo's fighting for the title how cool is that i acquaint as a straight up goat of the gym so they you know there's all these guys in there to lead this this younger crew into victory and and they're gonna do a great job yeah man they're just it, it, it really is just one of the best gyms around i know like we talk about it a lot. I bring it up a lot on the podcast, but I think you nailed it. Like anybody who's actually met, not just seen some clips or ran into them. Anybody who's actually met Ray Longo or Matt Sarah and doesn't like them. I don't want anything to do with that person anyway. Cause they're just, they're just not my people. Cause those guys, I've never had a bad interaction and almost every genuine conversation I've had with either one of them. I feel like I've come out learning something to make me a better fighter, a better person, a better jiu-jitsu guy. And, you know, the friends and everything I've made over there for years have been unbelievable. And I know, um, you know, I definitely want to give respect to James Gabbert. You know, he was one of the first guys to really put fear in me that, like, if I was outside and class started at 12 and it was 1159 and I wasn't geared up, I was going home because I didn't want to face, like, the the angry snowman look of, like, man, I'd just rather not train today than be scared. 150 of jump squats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. He, I, I spent so much time with James because he was primarily my conditioning guy and also striking guy and everything. And we would train, like, twice a day for, like, almost, like, 10 years. It was pretty, and I don't even know. It was a long time. And, and – I mean, man, that guy was, he was, he would just walk in. Another guy dropping gems. First of all, he's always there when you need him. And he would just drop gems on me, like when in, in different times of my life, like where he would say things. And it kind of, one thing that stuck out, and I was, when I was, when I was doing my sprints this morning, I was uh, thinking about it because 
how do you approach the thing where you say, oh, I'm a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And then you're sitting at dinner and then someone else just turns around like, my son's got a black belt in karate at eight, 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 eight age, whatever his age is. And they're like, they think it's equal. They're like, <laughs> they're like, you know, like people will be talking to you and you're trying to explain to them like, yeah, you know, black belt with Matt Sarah. And they're just like, and like they, they glaze over. They have no clue what you're saying, except they, they, they equal. They don't think it's equal. They're, su- they're, they're surprised that it took you that long. To watch that. Yeah. They're like, they're, like, they're like, oh, you just got it. And like, mind you, like, you know, and I'm sitting there and like, we actually, we got our black belts together. Me, hey, me yeah. Aljo and a bunch of other guys. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, you know, like, and I'm like trying not to like, my wife like knows I'm going to like, you know, go berserk. And I'm like trying this whole, like, let me calm down. Let me not, you know, let me not, let me not, you know, like let it out, you know, <laughs> let me try to do this. And, um, you know, James, I said that to James once and I was like, how do I even explain this to people? Like, you know, not even that I because like he was always like making fun of me because I was a purple belt for like 10 years <laughs> and he would just make fun of me because he was a purple belt for even longer. So, um, you know, and, and so, so he just turned to me. He's like, let me ask you a question. He's like, this is how I explain it to people. Very clear cut and concise. He's like, do you give an eight year old a master's degree or a PhD? And I was like, mm, wow, that was pretty good. Cause that's how he basically put it. Would you, if I said to you, my eight year old has a PhD, you'd be like, that doesn't make very much sense. You know, there's no possible way. And that's what he said to me. So when he said that, I was like, all right, I got it. So now like if someone says that I'm prepared and I'm tr- even though like I'm ready to still explode, um, <laughs> I'm just trying to like, you know, kind of like put it into perspective. Cause like everyone thinks it's like, you know, oh yeah, he does karate. Like, even even like setting this, you know, this company up, you know, you try to explain to people what you do and they're just like, oh, yeah, you're going to teach karate to the police. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, man. That, and always, I'm like, that's always difficult, uh, you know, just to explain that what we do is practical and actually uh, works. Yeah. That's the hardest part is saying, listen, it's not like little little Susie's, you know, black belt that you got because you consistently paid tuition for 18 exactly. months. Exactly you know, you, you, you've been doing this for, for how long before you guys got your black belts? I've been doing this for how long before I got my brown belt? I've been a brown belt longer than it takes people in Taekwondo to go from white to black. (laughs) So, so it's just a different level that people aren't going to understand until they do. And by do, I mean, actually, uh, as in like watching UFC or MMA fight and you say, see what they're doing on the ground that's grappling that's wrestling and brazilian jiu-jitsu that's what that is or better yet if if, if we could be so lucky they come down to the gym and maybe they take a you know a free class a free intro class then they actually start to see oh so i can't just stand up when someone's on top of me you know or uh oh i can't just you know use my weight and throw the guy it's like no it's not how it works there's actually technique and leverage and skill involved um and that's what we want to not just teach the police officers, but in order to do that, we have to convince them of what we're teaching them and that it's actually going to benefit them. It's not going to be fluff that we're showing them. It's actual stuff that's going to work and help. I love that, man. And, you know, it's a, it's a perfect pivot because, you know, a big reason why we're doing this is because of Endeavor One, and I definitely want to give it the proper time. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff outcry going out about defund the police and all this crazy stuff that really is ridiculous and makes no sense. But exactly like Marcel just said, I've heard Matt say a lot of times that most guys, Rogan says it a lot all the time too, 
they walk around not having any idea how somebody who walks past them on the street, like an Aaron or Marcella or Matt Sarah, what that person could actually do to you. And like the food chain of even like me and Aaron getting our black belts and Aljo on the same day and the difference on like my level versus them, their level, but people just see black belt and it is not all the same. And the, the food chain, even in jujitsu versus like a black belt versus a Sarah black belt versus, versus real life, I think is insane. And I hear when people say defund, 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 I heard Jocko Willing going on and on about how, no, no, you, you should put three times the fund in to properly training them because one of the biggest problems I see is like you guys would know how to handle yourself in a situation where you get triggered with that fight or flight because you've been trained to have a prevailing cool head. You don't have the insecurity of, of wondering what would happen because you're in those positions every day. And to me, I've always said, even the shittiest boxer in the room is going to be better in life because they're going to know how to stay calm in a situation where everybody else is freaking out and losing their head. And I think it's insane that there's so many police officers and first responders and people that have to deal with other people that are going to be aggressive and negative and violent. And they don't like some of them have never been punched in the face. Some of them have never been a fight in their life. They take a couple of months at, at an academy and then they don't even really have to exercise anymore. And I think what you guys are doing and providing not only will help take some of the insecurity out, put some confidence in, but I think them having that confidence like we all have now being able to decompress situations is not only going to save lives, but it's also going to save lawsuits and tax dollars and injuries and all these different things. So, you know, starting obviously with the founder here, um, talk about how this came together and, and give some of the principles in the one-on-one for what Endeavor One is, and then we can jump deep into all this and how Marcel got involved. Sure, sure. So um, over at Matt's gym in, in Huntington, Long Island, um, we have a lot of uh, I mean, he has, it's probably one of the best, if not the best, obviously I'm skewed, but it's the best, <laughs> the, the best jujitsu school in the world. Um, academy, I'm sorry. And, um, it, there's a lot of police that we train with, right? There's Suffolk County, Long Island guys. There's Nassau County, there's NYPD. There's a bunch of black belts that Matt has that are NYPD, Suffolk County, and they're all over the place. And, um, you see those guys, training and you say to yourself why are they training you know and and you know and and some of them just love the sport and then some of them say no i i, I want to know what to do you know for these situations and it really comes down to it you know i've always been a friend of the military the police and all different types of law enforcement and uh as far as you know i'm always with these people like you know like they say in a boxing gym or a jiu-jitsu academy you're seeing everyone you're seeing you know convicts police officers, politicians, attorneys, professionals, everything, rich, poor, everything in between, you're seeing everything. And it doesn't matter, right? Because at the end of the day, we're all animals, we're humans, right? And the point is, is that, you know, and Matt said this so many times, Henzo has said it, everybody has said it. Jiu-Jitsu is one of the best things that could change your life and for the better. And, you know, and, and I think, you know, obviously, um, given the situation that we're, we're facing now, you know, you see video after video. I study a lot of tape. I mean, hours and hours every week of tape, of watching police encounters, watching citizens encountering citizens and seeing how they, they interact. I watch things happen live. I've been, you know, had, had to use jiu-jitsu uh, throughout my life, you know, for many reasons. Um, 
and I, and I refer to it as jujitsu because I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going in there, you know, striking at someone. I'm not stupid. I know if we go in there and I punch someone across the face, like I know a lot of people think you're talking like with your ego, but anyone trained who knows how to punch or kick, if I, if, if I shin kick you on the side of the head in a street fight, like the odds are you're probably going to die. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're going to have some sort of traumatic brain, brain injury. That's not what we're looking to do here. We're looking to, to, to change the dynamic and give these officers a different alternative, which I see constantly in the videos. The there, there's good videos and there's bad videos. Obviously, the good videos are the people that are pioneers that come out, go out and, and said, hey, I'm going to learn jujitsu. Even though we have politicians and all different types of different exterior forces that are forcing us to say, hey, we're not allowed to do this. We're not going to do that. These guys are still training jujitsu in their personal lives. And it makes them better because when you look at the, the structure of how police academies work, and, and this isn't an attack on police or, or on any side of the equation here. This is basically a, we're trying to enhance it. And, and, and I'll explain why we're going to enhance it and how we're going to do it. Because again, I'm used to the adversity I'm in everything and in, in building your own business and working and in life and, and everything, you're going to hit that adversity. What do you do when that happens? And I bring it back to fighting all the time because people say, how do you fight? How do you do this? And I say, locks. it's, Ray used to say it all the time. This is the ultimate lie detector. You see who that person is. You learn more about the person you're fighting in 30 seconds. You know, you know this person. You could feel what they're going to do, their energy. And I, I try to tell that to, you know, like to, to people when I talk to them. I, I, if you engage with me, if I grab you, if we hold on again, I'm not never claiming to be the best person in the world in, in martial arts or anything. I know enough that I can be effective. And what I'm saying is you engage with me. I know if you're, I know where you're, I know the threats. I know what's going on. You could feel it. You have a sensitivity. You're comfortable with it. You're comfortable with fighting. It's, it's the same thing as they say, oh, if we train all these officers in martial arts or jujitsu, let's just keep it at jujitsu at this point, Brazilian jujitsu. We keep it at jujitsu or we train them all in jujitsu. We're going to make them more dangerous. And I would say, yeah, you're going to make them more dangerous, but you're also going to make them safer for everyone around them. Because if I'm standing in a room and I see two dads fighting, because again, I'm a, I'm like a lacrosse dad now and I'm a, I'm a football dad, you know? So, I mean, listen, if I'm in that room, you know, someone's getting detained, bro. <laughs> so, um, it, you know, like if, if you, you don't, and I want to bring it back to something really quick. You don't, if you're scared of drowning, okay? And, and, and the Gracies use this all the time. They always say it. If you're scared of drowning, what do you have to do to learn how to not drown? You have to learn how to swim, right? So if you're scared of fighting or violence or harming someone or getting harmed, you have to learn how to be this, this powerful, mentally, physically tough person in order to be able to kind of dictate, okay, I'm not going to freak out and go to this ultimate level of let me pull my gun out and shoot someone because I'm in panic mode and you know, you want to be this powerful. I mean, I think Jordan, Dr. Jordan Peterson uh, said it many times. You want to, you don't make men strong by, by making them weak, obviously, or, or, or not educating them or strengthening them. You have to make them very powerful, very dangerous and bring them under voluntary control. And if you look at the staff or the guys that are training at the gyms all around the country, um, you look at their skill sets and their ability to do control situations 
And they're just, they're fed the fact that they're training positions, positional training. When we would get ready for a fight, we would be training positions. Okay, this guy's a good wrestler. So let's figure out what happens if he puts you on the fence. We would train the position so that when the guy puts you on the fence, I've done that so much. And I'm so comfortable with that. That if the guy puts me on the fence and it's like two in the morning and I have Dunkin' Donuts in my hand, it doesn't matter. I'm drinking my coffee. I'm still going to take the, this guy's getting Kamoro. I'm going to take him down. I'm going to, you know, restrain him. It's so second nature. So the biggest issue is, is that, you know, there's a lot of guys, like you said, Rogan, Jocko, all these guys, they're throwing things out there and no, you know, people are listening, but nothing is happening. You know, there's no, I don't see a movement happening here. And when you look at like the, the style of training that the police have today, they're getting like two to four hours of combatives training per year, per year. Uh, that's crazy. That's two classes or four classes of Brazilian jiu-jitsu at an hour. That's nothing. When you would get, re- you know, if, if you want to really affect change and you want to get people to be more comfortable with themselves, better people, if you want to make guys comfortable with choking someone or, 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 you know, sub- subduing someone again, you know, against their will, knowing that they're going to, which is what we do in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, that guy, I'm, ta- you know, it's, it's not the tough guy, like Ray said, it's not the tough guy at the end of the bar that's, you know, running his mouth. That's the, you know, uh, that's the threat. It's the tough guy that's locked in the cage that knows the other guy's a tough guy and, and you're going to step across. When you get, and I'm not saying you have to get to that level. What I'm saying is, like Matt said, get to a blue belt level. Get to a level, and if everyone could be at that blue belt level of knowing what it's like to be controlled against your own will, how to control someone else, and then also just being so comfortable with positions. Someone grabs you from behind. Someone goes to reach for your pistol. I mean, legally speaking, if someone on the street reaches for an officer's pistol, they have the right and the legal authority to take that out and shoot them and kill them. But do you have to? And I'm not saying in the moment, you know, again, like General Patton always said, you know, the, the leader on the field is the, you know, they, they, that's the authority, you know. I'm not going to say that someone who had that happen to them is not, you know, they're not right for doing that. I'm trying to say, hey, get, let, we know there's a problem. You know, again, you don't have to agree with any side of anything, but you know, when enough people are talking about something, you know, there's an issue, you know, there's a major problem. And I'm saying if we can teach someone that, hey, if you use an, an, an underhook, and, and learn how to control your pistol so that you can't get it grabbed from you or taken from you against your will. And now it's used on you, which happens all the time for police. And, and also, if you don't pull it out of the wrong way and, and you use it when you didn't have to, we can give an alternative here. And maybe if it's small steps, if it's one, one incident that happens, and I'm seeing that in the video reviews, you're seeing people across the country, women, men, big people, small people, whatever the hell this size is, I don't care what their story is. There, there's little stories coming out where, oh, this guy used jujitsu or this woman used jujitsu and was able to survive and get past this situation. So we're saying, you know, and then, and then I look at the videos that, you know, I sit and I say, hey, you know, I, I, I listened to a video where, and this one kind of sparked what really was like, all right, I got to do something. Um, I forgot where it was and I'd rather not mention obviously the location of where it was and all the details, but an officer was approaching um, a a 
guy on the street um, after, you know, whatever it was. And he was trying to get the guy and he said, hey, you know, and tried to con contact him. And forgive me if I'm ruining the story, but the bottom line is what I'm going to get to. It's it's he was trying to tell this guy to stop and he wanted to question him on something. The problem is, is that the situation blew up a little bit. They ended up getting into a fist fight. The officer fell backwards and the other guy mounted him and started striking him and was striking the officer, right? The officer was starting to get really, he was getting some good shots and his head bouncing off the concrete. And again, if you don't know what it's like to get hit or you don't know what it's like to hit someone, it's like the movies, you know? I mean, I think, you know, when someone punches someone in the face for the first time, they like, oh my God, I feel like I just punched the brick wall. And they don't understand that. So like, they think it's like in the movies where like the guy hits them and they're, you know, they punch through a window and everything's cool. <laughs> you know, it, it's not like that. So this guy is mounted on top of an officer punching at this officer. The officer finds out, or the officer basically is getting overrun. He pulls out his pistol and shoots a couple into, or shoots one or two shots, whatever it was. Forgive me for not knowing the details. Shoots the guy um, in the stomach. The guy ends up falling over on his back. He's bleeding out. Make a long story short and an awful story. It turns out that it was a firefighter. He was drunk for the night. And he, he just had a few too many to drink. And the officer, they just got into a fight. It ended up going a little bit too aggressive. And, you know, obviously this officer was fearing for his life and ended up shooting him. Do you know how that guy feels? I mean, to me, I'm saying if that guy knew, if he knew how to just elbow escape, get that guy, tie him up, reverse him. I'm not saying go sit into an Ashigarami, rip the guy's ankle and, and, you know, do some fancy elaborate thing. I'm saying if he knew how to just bump and roll, even just bump and roll, say you suck at jujitsu, bump and roll, it would at least affect some sort of modification to what that guy was doing on top of you, punching you in the face to the point where you said, I have to go lethal right now. And that alone was very upsetting because, it's not just about the guys, you know, obviously you have your terrible people out there that are racist and violent and they're killers and they're bad on both sides of the equation. This is more about the fact that that was an accident and that accident could have been avoided with jujitsu. So that, that basically led to me turning around and saying, I want to train police officers as much as I possibly can and invoke as much change as possible. And, you know, I know it sounds aggressive, it sounds crazy, and people laugh at you, but I, I really couldn't care less what people think at this point. Um, I'm going to teach as many police officers, even if it's one person, to two people, to 100,000, to all 700,000 police officers in the country. If I can get our reach large enough to the point where we can train them on a consistent basis, not just teaching them a two or four hour seminar, which everyone thinks that they came up with some new great curriculum where they're going to just unroll this. And all of a sudden it's going to be the solution, you know, in a two or four hour seminar. I've been doing this 30 years. I, I, I still go in and get dominated by some skinny guy and like, you know, his skinny jeans riding a Vespa, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, like that's just the way it is with jujitsu, man. You know, it is what it is, but I know what it feels like to be controlled and to control others. And when you have that, you don't carry yourself differently. I don't walk into a room and try to peacock and try to be, you know, oh my God, I'm the toughest guy in the room. I know, man, listen, if you try to, you know, for example, you know, because of my training, because of my mentality, because of the fact every day I'm training, seven days a week, physical training, 
supplements, nutrition, going to sleep on the right hours, doing the right thing. I'm comfortable with the fact if you try to break into my house at the wrong time, you're not leaving the same way, you know, and, and I'm comfortable with that. And the fact is, is that I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to kill whoever comes in because then you got that problem with, you know, people buying guns and thinking they're effective. It's the same way as you're not effective. You're probably going to have it turned on you. You don't even know what you're doing. You know, you're probably going to you know, make a mistake. So it's like I'm saying, OK, with just your hands and your mind as the as the tool and your body as the vessel. And you're going to be able to control this person. And whatever the situation is, whatever adversity is thrown out in front of you, I'm going to make the best attempt or, and like I said, again, with the house type of idea, I'm going to die in the process. And I'm cool with that. I'm cool with the fact that you're not going to get to my child's bedroom without knowing I was there, you know, and you're not going to be the same thing. So you're not going to be the same way going out of that house. And you know, like even just thinking about like, you know, what police go through, it's a, it's, it's a ridiculous, it, it is such an impossible job right now. You know, I mean, it, it, there's, there's people retiring early. There's, you know, guys that don't want to, you know, enroll in the, in the academy anymore. And, you know, you have a lot of politics fighting each other, different forces and stuff. So, you know, the, the point is, is that like, you know, we want to kind of, I'm avoiding the politics. We're going right down the center. Marcel is, you know, has been seeking me out to say, I want to get involved. I want to help. And I'm saying, you know what? Let's do it. You know, you got two successful guys that don't need to do this. We don't need to be a part of this. I don't need to be waking up at 3.45 a.m. to wrestle with, you know, SWAT guys and police guys from all over the state, you know, but I'm doing it because I think what I can do is if I can do one person, train with one person, train with many more, and then all of a sudden get it to the point where everyone is training something. They know a little more than yesterday. They're comfortable with striking. We got guys coming down training with us and they turn to us and they're like, well, we don't have, you know, we don't have the, they, 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 they're thinking from a different mindset, right? They think from the, the training Academy and all these things. And, and I'm sitting saying, all right, well, guys need boxing gloves. Okay, cool. So, the, and you know, and they're like, well, we got to figure out how to, I bought them boxing gloves. The entire, the, everyone that walks in the door, if you need boxing gloves, I'm going to get you a pair of really good leather ones. You, you, here they are. You need hand wraps done mouthpiece done. What's your next excuse why you can't come and train jujitsu for free right now? You know, and I say, and I, and I push everyone to say, go to your local jujitsu academy. These schools have been beaten up and killed over the coronavirus pandemic. And I'm going to start with Matt's gym and Ray's gym. Go to the, they're, they're there. You can learn it. You join up, train with people. There's classes all throughout the day. Do that. You're not going to just get into good shape. You're going to get into good shape. You're going to lose weight. You're going to be a better person, a better father, a better husband, a better spouse, whatever it is. Just do it. Learn it. If you're, a, you know, people ask, oh, what about my daughter? Learn jujitsu. You want your daughter to be safe? Learn jujitsu. Marcel's going to have a daughter. What's the first thing she's learning? Jujitsu. There you go. <laughs> she's going to double leg right out the womb. And then she's going to arm by the doctor. Done. I like it. <laughs> so you you touched on a lot of really important things there. You know, obviously, I, I've been through the process for a lot of, you know, I wanted to be an air marshal, then I wanted to be counterterrorism. I did a criminal justice degree. And when I was going through that process prior to hurting my hand, I had to take a lot of these um, academy trainings, especially like the, the obstacle course and the physical trainings. I had to do a bunch of them twice, once prior to hurting my hand and once after. And I remember the NYPD one specifically, 
um, the first time I went, you had to hop over. I think it was like a six foot fence or something like that as part of the thing. And if you couldn't do it, you didn't get in. Um, maybe a year or two later, the second time I did it, you had three attempts to get over it. And if you couldn't, you could run around and you passed. And I was like, how did that? And, they, and I'm watching literally, not, not to be like an asshole, but there was like yeah. overweight women that were hanging on the fence and they couldn't get over. And then they dropped and they were like, it's okay, get up and run around. And I was like, what happened to you? Like, how, how did this change from this was unacceptable? Because not only do you have to take care of yourself, but you have to be able to take care of your partner. And you have to be able to take care of like, like if that person is not saving somebody's life, that person is not stopping uh, a domestic violence abuse of uh, some drunk husband who's beating his, like they can't, they're not doing it. So um, the fact that that started getting crossed over with, you know, political correctness and, and political, all kinds of mucky waters there, I think was just complete wrong way to, to, to face and, and, put focus on what was happening there. I think it's all gone the wrong way. And I like that you said, you know, I'm taking all that out and we're just going right there and doing it because like anything else that you want to be successful in life, it's just showing up. So you're, you're literally taking away all the other excuses besides that. And for anybody who didn't catch some of the small points in there too, as well, I love that not only are you doing something to help the greater cause for everybody by making police more confident, more self-reliable to be able to defuse those situations, but you're giving it away to now help the jujitsu community and some of the gyms that might be hurting or have not really made it through this epidemic by putting, putting there. And like you said, starting with Ray's and Matt. So um, I, I'm going to go back to that as well, but I also want to hear now how this connected with how did Marcel get involved in this? And, you know, being a guy who is also somebody who's very dangerous with your hands, what is your uh, experience of unarmed training and how important it is to have that as a police officer? Well, you know, I've never done a job with a police officer, but I will tell you what I do know about it. I know it's extremely dangerous and I know it's very difficult and they're under constant scrutiny over every little thing they do. If they do something well, they're going to get in trouble for it. If they do something wrong, they're going to get in even more trouble for it. Um, what we want to do at Endeavor One with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is give options. We want to give options where people don't have to always use lethal force. We don't expect to perfect any police academy or any police department. What we want to do is to decrease the numbers of situations that end uh, to have a fatal ending or end in a, in, a, in a way they didn't have to. We want to make sure that things end in the best safe, best case scenario as many times as possible. We know jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu, is a tool for that. We know it is. So it's just a matter of bringing it in, and like Aaron said. This isn't going to be a, uh, a two-hour seminar. Name, name anything that you can do twice for, for two hours in one year. I'm telling you, you're not going to get better at it, and you're only going to get hurt. Try running five miles only twice a year and doing no other running besides that. You're going to hurt yourself. Try bench pressing 250 pounds once or twice a year. You're going to drop that weight on your neck. So what you need to do is train routinely and regularly. You have to be disciplined. And this is what's going to help. Um, I've been in physical altercations before. And I'll tell you what, post-training and having an idea of what I was doing way before I was ever a brown belt. Um, but just knowing, hey, if me and this guy get into it right now, and there's a chance that this may happen, I'm pretty confident that I'm probably going to come up on the upper hand. I'm probably going to win this exchange and it's going to be my decision if somebody gets hurt or doesn't get hurt. 
And that's a great thing. And if we could have police officers have that same uh, confidence as well as that ability to make that decision, okay, someone, someone can get hurt here, but it's up to me. Do I want this person to get hurt or do I not want this person to get hurt? And obviously, uh, the, the correct choice is to make sure no one gets hurt. Is that always going to be what happens? No. But if we can give that option as many times as possible, we're going to do so. Um, the way I got involved with this is I've always believed that Brazilian jiu-jitsu and grappling made the most sense for, for police officers. We have so many cops that train with the three of us. We have so many uh, from all different departments, whether it's FDI, whether it's Secret Service, whether it's Nassau uh, Police Department, NYPD. We have so many of these guys that, that train with us. And, and let me tell you, some of them are studs. We all know that. And if these guys had to arrest somebody, we know that guy's getting arrested. And then we also know some people that are in this profession, in this profession that have no type of martial arts training, no type of grappling training. And we know that if they had to detain someone that was their size or bigger, well, it, it's a 50-50 shot. You know, they may get it done or they may not get it done. And that that's scary. To me, if I was in that occupation, if I had a 50 percent success rate at what I was doing, that, that would scare me. Um, especially when the outcome is literally life and death. Me and my friends, training partners, we've always talked about this of of how come every cop is in training jujitsu. And with everything happening recently and all the stuff that you see on the news. And you watch these videos, and I hate being, you know, a Monday morning quarterback. I really despise people who do that because my thing is, if you don't know what it's like, then then shut the f up about it, you know. Um, but when you see something so basic, just not known, it's not that these guys are purposely doing something wrong. They just simply don't know. And if we have a curriculum that can show them things that can save their lives and make their jobs easier, well, I feel like we have a moral responsibility to do so. Um, Aaron said it best, neither him or I need to do this for financial gain. We are both very successful in what we do. So this really is just to make things better if we're able to do that. And not needing this financially is a great thing because it allows us to do it right and allows us to do it for the right reasons. Um, so one day I just reached out to Aaron and I said, hey, man, actually, I think he called me about his insurance. I think this is completely off topic. He called me about insurance. Plug, plug. And uh, he had a question about it. And, um, you know, he told me how he just walked into his precinct uh, nearby and said, hey, man, uh, I want to help you guys out. I want to teach you guys some jujitsu. I want to show you some some uh, unarmed con uh, you know, combat skills. And I said, you know what, you know what Aaron, that, that, that's pretty funny because uh, my wife's cousin uh, is a police is a police officer, and uh, there's a lot of police, uh, a lot a lot of police in, in 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 her family, which is now my family too. And they were reaching out to me, saying, "Hey, would you be interested in doing some jujitsu with these guys?" Aaron moved to New Jersey, which is where her cousins live, and I was like, "You know what? Aaron literally just hit me up about this. Let me talk to Aaron about it." And sure enough, in, in typical Aaron Freeman fashion, he was gung ho and and ready ready to get it done. Um, I trust Aaron. I, I, I trust his business sense. I, I trust his acumen. And of course, I trust his jujitsu as well as my own for everything I just mentioned. So I think partnering with him, uh, he actually took this quite by, by the wheel. He, he's at the helm of it and he's really the one running it right now. Um, and I am doing my best to, to help him out. I think I'm doing a pretty good job. Um, 
And I think the two of us are really going to make a difference. And if, let's just say, worst case scenario, there's just too much red tape for us to get through. And everyone says, you know, take the program and shove it up your butt. At the end of the day, at least we weren't people that just saw a problem and did nothing about it. We attempted to help the greater good. And that's always going to be what's most important. Man, I think that was very well said. Again, nobody ever is going to criticize you who is doing more than you. It's only going to be yeah. people who are doing that and you know, wishing that they could do more about it or finding an excuse because if they see that you guys are doing something about it and they're not and you're successful with it, now they have to look at themselves and admit that they could have been doing something too. And I think that's where that comes from. You know, I don't think anybody who's actually logical and a rational human being is going to argue that there's anything negative that can come with this, especially people who are in the know that understand that teaching them how to fight is going to make them fight less. It's just, exactly. I mean, if, if that was the case, every Sarah barbecue, we'd all be leaving there with black eyes and bloody noses. Being <laughs> thing on anybody's head. Like we don't go out with Matt Sarah and have him getting into bar fights. It, you, the, you would literally have to be like threatening his family to have him actually hurt somebody like that video when right. he's restraining the drunk in there. So yeah. I think what you guys are are doing and showing is is going to catch on. And the more that other people in the precinct, there's definitely going to be some that are just not going to do it. They're not going to want to show up. They got that old school mentality. But I think the more that starts to spread and you start to see how the guys who are going to take the Endeavor One training stick out and start to handle that situation. And again, even if the precincts look at it as it's going to cost money to train the guys, Aaron has solved that because it's not. And the amount of money it's going to save by not having these crazy lawsuits for, for incidents that were handled improperly I think is actually going to save the cities and the precincts and the taxpayers money. And, you know, for, for Aaron, it's, it's in the blood. I know uh, your cousin, Robbie Plotkin's like an American hero. So you guys are like fighting all over the world to trying to make it a better place. But there's a couple of things that um, I took notes while Marcel was talking that I thought were very interesting. One of the things, I know two uh, police officers, I won't say their names, but they both kind of walk around like tough guys. You know, they're always, like you said, peacocking and very, kind of short and rude and you could tell they have a ship on their shoulder and they got into a fight one day with each other on one of my friend's front lawns and I called up and I was like how'd it go and my friend was yeah. like honestly it was embarrassing <laughs> one of them had any idea how to fight they were rolling around the lawn like nobody really even hurt anybody she's like you'd think these two like 35 four year old men who work out all the time and are police officers would have some clue how to fight but they had no freaking idea right. and I'm like okay take a guy like that now and then the way that they're handling that situation. And then you take a rich corfage and have yeah. almost anybody else who's going to come into a New York City yeah. and tell me that they're going to hurt rich. and He's not going to be able to. It's never going to happen. He's going to be able to defuse any situation. Without, no without a doubt. It's it, it, without a doubt. And, and Nick, Nick, I also want to say with that, there's a lot of cops that, you know, they stay in shape. They lift a lot of weights. They run. They have great cardio. This is not that. And I think people need to understand that. I don't care how many Ironmans you've done. If you have never trained any type of martial art or grappling and you come into Sarah's and you have to roll with a blue belt that's the same size as you, your ass is going to get tooled up. Yep. And that's it's funny because like that happens so often whenever I train with a new officer who's like, oh, I'm in pretty good shape. You know, they run marathons, they cycle, they do all different types of things. You know, a lot of guys are... A lot of guys are, you know, ex-military, things like that. And, you know, kudos to them for showing up and actually training and getting it done because that's the guy I want in my room. That's the, you know, the guy or the girl in my room. Get in there, you know, train, do it. But I'm not saying it's not going to be humbling. And that's where the problem comes where you said, you know, a lot of guys are not going to want to do it because 
who the hell wants to go? And, you know, there's a lot of guys that are on the force, you know, when you get through the Academy, again, I've never been through the Academy. So obviously, you know, um, there's guys that are going to be, you know, haters out there. You don't know what it's like or whatever, you know, okay, great. But you know what? The job's not getting done. So, you know, I don't care what it is. You know, the job's not getting done. People are getting hurt for no reason. And on both sides, because you don't have the ability to control the situation, you know? So what I say is when you have those guys come down and they want to train and they, they experience what it's like to go, you know, I, I roll with everybody. So like I'm going down there with guys that are, I mean, I'm usually the smaller guy. I mean, I'm only like 170 pounds, you know, so I'm usually the smaller guy and I'm, you know, I'm rolling with everybody and I'm going and, you know, granted I'm a black belt. I know what it is to fight and everything. But I don't know what these guys know. You know, this guy could be a, a division one wrestler that I don't know anything about or whatever the hell it, whatever, man, you know, cool. If you catch me, cool. I'll tap. That's the thing. Having no ego in the, that's, that's what I think we have to attack too. It's, it's the, the part where once you make it through the Academy, you, you know, and, and this is probably going to be, you know, upsetting to a lot of people. You have to take care of yourself. You can't show up to the scene you know, if you think about it this way, like, you know, if you're, if you're an officer and you let yourself go, you're not eating healthy, you're not sleeping well, you're stressed out, you're dealing with life and death, right? When you stop someone for a, a, for running a stop sign, you could end up in life and death situations. So if I'm an officer and I'm showing up on the scene and doing this, I'm saying, oh my God, man, I want to do everything possible to be able to say, I want to go back to my kids, my wife. You know, I don't want to be, hold on, let me just take it easy. I'm going to sleep in today. You know, like if that happens too much and the, the discipline fades, motivation is one thing. Discipline is another thing. And, you know, most guys don't have discipline. It upsets me when I see some of the guys that used to fight that they just lose it and they become just this, this, they're out of shape and everything. I'm like, dude, you were that guy. What are you doing? Is this about me? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm like, so I see this happen and I'm like confused. I'm like, and then I say to myself, like, yeah, I understand you're going to have periods of your life where you're going to kind of, you know, it's going to get hard and you're going to have challenges. Then you got to, all right, bring it back, bring it back, you know? And when you're, you get out of the academy, there's nothing that says, oh, you can't have, you know, a 48 inch waist. And this isn't, a, this isn't like an attack on, you know, fat people or something like that. This is an attack on, how are, prove to me how you're going to do your job when your cholesterol is through the roof, you can't move, your knees are bad, and you're going to show up on a scene where uh, the guys already, they already hate you. It's a domestic dispute, right? You're showing up in a time of passion. The wife's yelling, the husband's yelling, whatever. If it's, it's, it's husband, husband, if it's wife, wife, whatever the heck the situation is. You're showing up to the worst case. They hate you. They don't want you there. And you're going to show up and be like, oh, I'm going to tell you what to do. And God knows you're on their premise. You're walking into their home and you're going to tell them how, how it's going to be done. And then you're going to tell me you're not in shape. You don't know how to fight. You don't know what to do. And then you wonder, oh, well, we don't have the budget for this because, you know, it's too expensive to train people. And then I turn around and say, okay, well, how did you find the five or $10 million to make the payout to the family after you made that mistake? Because they're going to sue you no matter what, because this is the open hunting season that we're talking about. So if we could go down the center lane and say, hey, this guy, yes, this guy was you're going to probably sue him. I know that. And I tell all of you, listen, this is not my finest point or at most exciting point. 
but at some point I'm probably going to be the lead, uh, you know, uh, specialist or whatever in the, in the room explaining to them why this guy or girl is able to get, you know, they shouldn't be arrested or go lose their job and their pension, their life. This person woke up early so that they can make a conscious decision. I'm going to train to be the best version of myself so that I can become a, I can put this situation into my terms, like Marcel said, and choose how to end or dictate the end of the situation. And we train our guys and girls in actual positional. I mean, all I'm doing is the same thing. I'm doing the same thing as MMA. And when we were training for fights, it's positional training. Guy goes to grab your, your pistol. What do you do? Guy, you know, your partner is in a scuffle with another person. What do you do? You ever see the videos where the guy, someone's in a scuffle, the guy's grabbing them and wrestling around with ridiculous headlocks. And then all of a sudden you see the partner come by and go to kick the guy in the head and he ends up kicking his partner in the head. And now he's on his own. You know, it's like, you need to know what to do. If I'm in a situation, I don't have to talk. The, and you're going to love this one. Remember when we used to do the jujitsu gang fights? No. <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Yes. <laughs> now nobody knows if nobody knows what's going on with that okay so at, at the gym we would have a jujitsu gang fight and what that means is there'd be like 50 guys 60 guys in the class i mean the, the classes are packed you got guys from high level tier one military to black belts professional fighters police every single type of person and all of a sudden everyone would be on their knees They'd draw a line, and then all of a sudden they'd say go, and then one side would have to defeat the other side. Now, granted, I mean, you know, it, it's it's probably not the smartest of things, but sometimes you got to do it. You know, like yeah. so I believe in that, and you know what, I we wouldn't even like we didn't even have a plan or or talk to each other, but we knew like Marcel was in those with me. Oh yeah, those are the best. I want to do one now. <laughs> you. Know, and we would go and like, and honestly, I'm gonna be honest. I did get a couple injuries from this uh, because I I was just that guy that like you know like I had like ten guys trying to like restrain me, and I'm just like no, you know, I'm like they're like you know, and like you know like whatever. So, but it, but it's all worth it because you know like all right, if I'm gonna go and grab a guy like think about Slim, go restrain that guy. We don't go after Slim. You try to catch him on the blind side because that leg is longer. His leg, I mean, oh my God. So you would learn, you just knew you had to like grip. One guy's got to do what? Grab the legs, lock them up. One guy's got to do what? Restrain the hands. One guy's got to do what? Exactly. And then one guy's got to do what? He's got to rest. And that's because you have a trained professional level black belt who is probably one of the most dangerous jujitsu guys you know. Yeah. So it's like, and and that's how you know, like you would get that experience. But it's it's okay. So if okay, let's flip the flip the switch. We're at a barbecue, and someone gets crazy, and Marcel and I are alone, one hundred percent. That guy or girl, whoever it is, is getting restrained, and they're not going to get hurt. I mean, they're really not. The odds of them getting hurt are going to be we. It's it's so slim because. We're just going to, I mean, one person's going to grab the legs. One person's going to grab the upper body and that's it. Like John, like, like even like John Donahue used to say, there's two parts, you know, it's upper, you know, the upper gate and the lower gate, you know, you control the two things because we train it and we're comfortable with it and we're not nervous in it. You know, 
we start when Matt run, uh, run, and, and pool guy and everybody over at the academy runs their, their jujitsu classes. You're training. All right. We used to train where the guy would have a rear naked choke on you and start. And it's not like you have some idiot on your back. You have a guy that's probably getting ready for a UFC fight. You know, you get like Marab on your neck and you're like, oh, this is going to be good, you know? And you're like, all right, this is, you know, when you think about it, it's like either Marab, Al, Weidman. It's like, this is worst case scenario. This is the worst case scenario. It's like, if someone's going to choke you, you're like, I don't want that guy on my neck. And you have to figure out what to do to get out of it. So you're so comfortable. So if someone grabs you in the neck, I'm not worried about it. You know, obviously I'm going to address it immediately and do the, the right things, you know, block it, chin down, move, take my hip out, everything you want to do. That's what it is. So even just being a black belt now at this point, this is the thing we're going to do now, you know, and I just, you know, we, we, we came to this conclusion and Marcel and I are going to do this. We're going to keep pushing. We figured out to take the out of the mix, the politics of the funding and everyone's, oh, we don't have the money for it. Good. Don't have the money for it. We don't need your money. What we're going to do is we're going to start this, this company. Endeavor One is going to turn into a 501c3. Paperwork's being filed, already in filing and everything's working on. We're going to raise our own funds. We're going to, we're in discussion with many different partnerships right now for um, corporate funding and all different types of companies. Everyone knows. There's no one that looks at a situation and watches, you know, even like the situation with, you know, with George Floyd. No one looks at it and is like, well, those cops did the right thing. You know, like no one said, I don't think anyone says like, oh, over eight and almost nine minutes on a guy's neck is the right thing. So I think you can agree that, all right, you may not agree with, you know, one side or the other side, but you say, all right, well, that was probably the wrong thing. So how do we fix that? And if we can't fix that one individual, believe me, jujitsu will weed out the bad people because that's what we do. People are not going to want to be controlled i mean you know the guys with the egos and the bull the you know the the horrible attitudes when you're on the police force you can't have that right and i know we also have to teach on the other side you have to know how to get arrested you know or you have to know how to like do the right thing like when the guy pulls you over or the girl pulls you over don't put your hands on it you need to know like they need to teach us as a public service like you know jocko said this you know it's it's i'm not stealing his stuff i'm repeating his stuff it's you put your hands on the steering wheel. They're watching for your hands to do something wrong. If you want to survive that situation, I understand you may be charged emotionally or whatever it is or whatever the situation is, but you have to do the right thing. If a guy, even if the guy's doing the wrong thing, the officer, you got to just, you, you got to be careful because obviously that guy's got a gun. You don't, or you have a gun and he, uh, he does too. And now what do you think is going to happen? It's, it's not going to end good. So it's, it's both sides of the equation. You have to know how to re- have that mutual respect. Kind of like, you know, when you know you're, you know, if you'll say you're in like a Texas or something, I, you know, again, forgive me if I'm quoting, mis- misquoting, but I would assume that road rage is not as big of an issue there uh, as like New York or New Jersey, where everyone's, you know, real tough in their, you know, in their, in their BMW glass, you know, I mean, it's, you know that guy's got a gun, and he knows I got a, I have a gun. You know, it, it, you're going to treat each other different, no? You know, so if you know that guy's dangerous as an officer, and I'm dangerous as a person, I'll, I'm the first guy to say, "All right, cool, we'll fight this out in court. We'll do what we have to do. We'll, we'll go to." And I know people say it's easy to say that, but we're saying 
we're now going to provide the tools that that officer doesn't have to feel as scared and as afraid where when I see people come in to train, they're looking at me like a deer in headlights. When I say, all right, show me what the, te- the, the academy is teaching you or show me what you would do in this scenario. And then, you know, and these people are good people. They have family, they have children, they have, you have to humanize both sides of the equation. You know, you have to humanize the people you are policing and you have to humanize the people that are policing you. I'm fortunate to be in a town where the police are very involved in the community. They know you, you know them. Everybody knows first name basis on everybody. It's a very small town. And the thing is, is that with that human element, I think a lot of situations are, are basically, they evaporate right away because what, I know that guy, you know, I'm not going to, you know, like I, I know who that person is. I know what that police, officer, you know, they know me, they know my family. They, they watch my kid go to school every day, you know, like, so if you can humanize both sides, teach them jujitsu and we can raise the funds in order to say, okay, here's the deal. This is our master plan. Um, and Marcel and I are working really hard on this and we're, we're going to get it done, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, everything is a win for us. You know, when you don't have the fear of failure or the risk of failure or, or even care what anyone thinks about going on a podcast or talking to people or oh, what is he going to get done? Like, it doesn't matter because like you said, what are you doing? You're doing nothing. You know, you're probably part of the problem. If you're thinking that way, you're, you're part of that mental virus that's saying, you know, oh, this is, you know, we got problems. Okay, great. What are you doing with it? You know, we're looking for a solution. So we become the 501c3. We partner with as many people or corporations or anything that we can. We, we can demonstrate this on a small basis. I'm going to start my down if I have to. Okay. Um, we're going to host a fundraiser. You charge $100 a head. You get 100 people to come. You got now enough money to pay for the year's worth of training. And it's very simple. I mean, I think a lot of people, oh, it's not that simple. Okay, cool. So then let me sit down and explain to you how simple it is. Figure out your insurance situation, figure out your uh, risk management situation, and don't tell me that you can't afford to train people because you're going to find those millions of dollars if you have to pay out a lawsuit. So if I'm saying to you, your training is covered, just make sure you guys, when they go to training, if they get injured, it's going to happen. If someone gets injured, they want to be covered. They are on the job. They should be training on the job. So you put all these things together. We can get this to the point where, you know, you're, you're, we can figure out all, it's just basically, it's, it's red tape that can just cut through. You know I mean? Like, you know, you, you really, you look at, you see the obstacles that get in the way when you lose sight of the goal. Right. We have to really take a proactive approach. And I think that's what Aaron's getting at. If we can, uh, you know, mitigate the cost on the front end. That's the best case scenario. Who wants to have to pay out millions in lawsuits when you could have put half that money in the bettering your department in the first place? That's really what we want to do here. Um, there is a lot of red tape, and we are working our best to get through it. And we are working on ways, like Aaron just mentioned, to make sure that we can fund this. Um, we want to make sure that everyone knows that we are not on any political side or agenda. Our side is human beings. We want to make sure that everybody is taken care of, everybody is safe, and jujitsu is going to be our tool, and we're going to do that through Endeavor One. That, that's the main goal. That's what we're trying to do. And, and think about this, Nick. You know, so we raise money, right? Let's say we have all this you know, put together. I mean, a lot of people do these GoFundMes for all different types of reasons. We're going to make it so that you can get that tax advantage too because you know, we're saying, okay, I want, I, I'm not looking to get 
you know, we're, we're looking to get everyone to, you know, be a part of this, but if we can get real funding in, my goal would be to turn around and say, Endeavor One is going to approach, let's say, Matt Sarah's gym and say, okay, we got in contact with, you know, this academy, this location, this people. Matt, we're going to pay you from the foundation to train this amount of guys, separate from guys and girls, separate from the regular academy. It's going to be, we're going to just pay for the entire instruction. So we're going to say, okay, well, we have, you know, well, let's say a hundred guys are going to go come and they're going to train and, you know, just run a different program. And then think about that if we can go. So how do we do that on a, a national basis? Okay. We get in touch with the jujitsu academies that we all know. What do you do when you're on your trips? You go and you, you know who to seek out. So let me go to the guys over in San Diego and go to Atos and go to all these guys and say, Hey guys, listen, local department reached out. We're going to be, we're going to be that, that, um, conduit to get you guys in touch and say, okay, I, Aaron and Marcel can't possibly train 700,000 guys, you know, although I'd like to, cause it sounds like a pretty fun time. Um, it, it, it you know, you can't do that. So what I'm saying is we're going to just go ahead and say, okay, let's locate the load, the gyms that are real, not the Mick dojos that don't know what they're doing. And they're trying to teach some death touch. And I mean, some of the things you hear that the academies are teaching is just, they should be ashamed of themselves. You know, I mean, and, and you're seeing it. The product is there. You know, you're seeing it. And there's a lot of great guys on the force and great girls on the force that are amazing. I mean, we have some other people, you know, um, that trained with us, you know, females that are on the NYPD force that were in the military and everything. They're amazing. They do an amazing job and they just have that experience. So if we can go around and, and just go ahead and say, hey, our foundation, you know, ultimate goal, where are you going to be in five, 10 years from now? basically facilitating training on the private scale, being funded all the way across the country to the point where everyone in the country is trained in jujitsu. And I think the biggest problem is, is that the entire, there hasn't been that conduit yet. No one's been able to step up and say, I'm going to do this because guys that own the gyms are saying, Hey, I, I got to kind of charge you, you know, and you know, and my basement is the, is the jujitsu Academy right now. So I'm doing this on a small scale, you know, and I'm saying, hey, guys, you know, if I can go to, you know, local places here in Jersey and say to the academy owner and say, listen, guy, I'm going to send you this amount of people. We're going to pay for it. You know, we're going to make sure that we're teaching this type of tactics. You know, we're not teaching the, you know, most of the jujitsu things that you would learn from, you know, that, that wouldn't apply. We're going to teach the things that are needed, you know, that are going to really and they're going to know what to do. It's not like I'm going to go into some academy and teach the guy, tell the guy what to do. It's I'm giving you an opportunity. And I think that's giving back. So it's basically like a full circle of enhancing this jujitsu community that just got ravaged and biz, small business owners that just got ravaged by this virus and, no, and nothing is being done about it. And trying to get, I mean, I really think that if you can, if we run this model, when we run this model uh, for everyone, gyms are going to get more people in there. There's going to be a separate program, um, you know, where it's going to be the, the law enforcement program. You know, and just say, okay, at this time, the gym's closed and we're going to have X amount of people come in. They're going to train. They're going to do that. And I don't see where, you know, you know that, like, yeah, you see that, you know, that guy that like sits at the table and says, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Go ahead. I love that. Now, you know, you, you hit on a couple of things that I wanted to ask about that I, I think are, are awesome. So taking out a lot of the, the what ifs and the problems people might have and the rebuttals on there, you know, you're providing almost everything that they're going to need. So, you know, for me, I, I do exactly like you said, I have connections for jujitsu schools 
all over the country. So I'm always happy. I think I already looked you up with the uh, Autos, Pete Kavasi, and I got Mark Turner out of Damian Maya School with BJJ, BJJ Lab Naperville. Almost at least one black belt, and I think every school I've gone to that I've met is either a military guy or some sort of law enforcement that would be more than happy to connect you with the precinct. So I think the jujitsu part of it is going to be an easy connection of like you make a phone call, you get on a text, and they're never going to say no. Like, like what's his name with uh, with Pete? He's like, this yeah. is a guy I want to talk to. We're doing the same thing. Let's connect. I think what it's going to come down to then is going to be we've had these conversations. Everybody's in. Now it's up to these police officers to just show up, which, you know, being an entrepreneur, being in business, like you said, sometimes is the hardest part of getting them to show up, especially when you're talking about they're going to show up at a gym where they've had an ego. Maybe they've been like the top dog or the cocky cop walking around the neighborhood. Nobody's tested them. You know, nobody's arguing with them. They haven't been in a confrontation in 10, 15 years. Their ego is going to be a big thing to get over to come in and get through that first day. But everybody's is the first time they go in there. It's intimidating walking into a gym like that. So if I'm going to send this out, what are some things you can say to some police officers that I'm sure want to train? Because who wouldn't want to learn how to fight better, defend your family better? But your ego sometimes is going to keep you from doing that. So one of the things I've always loved about walking into Sarah Jiu-Jitsu or Law MMA or BJJ Lab Naperville was the sense of like when you walk in, you're welcome. And you're not walking into an intimidating environment with a lot of tension. It's fun. The guys approach you. They work with you. You're a white belt. They're going to match up with a black belt. He's going to take good care of you. They're not going to beat you up. They're going to help teach you. What are you guys offering that can help some of these guys really cross over and take that leap to just get in and start training? Because you know as well as I do, once you get in there a couple of times, they're going to get the bug. Everybody does. Hey, Nick, you know, I, I want to I start by, by pointing this out. Um, with what I do for insurance, with what Aaron does with financial services, with what almost every other occupation or industry I could think of, there is some sort of continuing education, okay? Um, every, every, every two years, I have to go and I have to take another exam. I have to sit down and do 15 hours uh, worth of classroom study just to make sure that I'm still equipped to do my job. I'm not sure what every police department has across the country, but some, some do not have that in place. That needs to be implemented. There has to be some sort of continual exam to make sure that you are still equipped to do your job. And that's going to take more money, more funding. So, yeah, I'm with you on this. Defunding the police is just such a wrong answer. Um, so what we need to do is first we need to have the backing of the departments to say, hey, listen, continuing education and routine training is necessary in order for us to continue doing our jobs correctly. That has to be the first mindset. OK, if that's not if that's not someone's mindset, the rest of this isn't going to take. It's just not. So that has to be a realization and it has to come from the top. OK, and it has to come from the top, like everything else we're doing. It has to come from the top and it has to be uh, trickled down to to everybody else. Once we have that in place and everyone's on the same page of this is needed and this is necessary, then we can have the fun. Then, then the fun begins of, of training the jujitsu, bringing these guys into local academies through Endeavor One uh, training style, and just, just sitting them down and letting them know exactly what they're going to learn and then just get into it. Aaron? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just, it's take that first step. I mean, there's a lot of guys that and girls that were, you know, they were super motivated when they were putting their application in to become a police officer and they were excited. They would, you know, um, 
get clothes ready the day before. They would you know, uh, go to bed early and do all these things. And then all of a sudden, as the years got on, they got the job, they did this. They just kind of let the discipline fade and, and the motivation fade and they kind of let it go. And, you know, that being said, I'm talking about, you know, if we can get people motivated again to be, you know, to want to be healthy. I mean, I think CrossFit was probably one of the most genius ideas ever. You basically marketed working out to people. <laughs> How long have you been marking out? I mean, that was the most genius idea ever. I'm like, you know, at first I was like fighting it. I was like, ah, those people with their, you know, I'm going to do a 50 wad day, whatever the heck it is, you know, like with their, you know, and then all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, you made it cool again to just go to the gym, work out and think about eating healthy and doing healthy things. Oh, what do you do? You know, how do you eat? How do you do this? And how do we do that with this? How do we make people motivated? I mean, the way that I wake up every day to go to work and be motivated to help people, to do things for people, to, to see them achieve their goals. If I could turn around, if we could save, you know, I, I think Marcel and I are on the same page. If we could save one person, I mean, I think, I think that's it. One person is the world, you know? I mean, all the, you know, like they say, you know, all the gods, all the heavens, all the hells are all inside of all of us. I mean, everything is all the same. It's we're one person. You can evoke change and you could do it. And if we could do it on this small scale, contact the people all around the country and say, hey, you know, I own a jujitsu academy. I'm willing to train officers. Okay, cool. How's this? What location are you in? And let me get in touch with the, you know, let's get, get me in touch with the precinct. I'll explain to them what we're going to do. We'll run a program. We'll run a fundraiser. We'll set things up. We'll get you the funding if we have the funding for you. And tell me how big is your, you know, how many people you have? You know, what are you looking to do? You know, and if we could do that, we're going to get a different type of population because it's going to be uncomfortable. And my favorite quote is, you know, I think it's Dan, you know, Gable, you know, which is get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, it's get, if you can't survive in, if you can't go to a training program, do jujitsu and do something like that. And you just, I hate it. I have, that means you have a bad ad. It, it basically shows who you are and what your problems are right away. You know, all the way back to Ray saying, this is the lie detector right there. If that guy's tough, you're going to find out in the next 10 seconds. If he's not, he's going to crumble, you know, and she too, you know, for, for women that fight as well. So, you know, it's, it's really, we can do this, you know, it's, um, there's a lot of people in the jujitsu community. There's a lot of people that are hurting right now that need help on so many different levels from financial to emotional, to physical, to policing, to everything. If we could just carve a small piece out and just do this the way that we're talking about it, you know, I, I truly think we can we can make some real change here and, uh, you know, and, and get everyone in a better area. And you know what? Some guys are going to leave the force. Some girls are going to leave the force. Some people are not going to be comfortable with it. But you know what? That person's probably your person that's going to have a problem <laughs> on the force. Right. You know, if your ego is so big, uh, you know, where, where just the slightest challenge to it of having to say, hey, maybe I'm not so good at something. If that really breaks you as a person. Is, is that the type of person you want in your department? I mean, you guys are black belts. I'm a brown belt. Last time I got trained, I don't even know how many times I got tapped. We, we, we get tapped all the time still, and we're considered good. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, you, you got to really just leave the ego at the door. And like I said, we want the people that are going to recognize this and are going to say, you know what? Uh, I recognize that I am not the best in this situation. 
And I need to be better because my job is life and death. My job is the thin blue line that protects against evil. Therefore, I need to be the best at that. One of my favorite quotes, and you know, some people may disagree with this, but one of my favorite quotes is, uh, the only defense against evil, violent men is good men who are more skilled at said violence. I forgot who said it. So it wasn't me. I'm not taking credit for it. But it really hit home. And when I look at the officers in our gym that we that, that we train with, and I see how dedicated they are to their passion and uh, just how good they are. And I'm like, these are people that are the difference makers. These are the guys that are going to go out, that are going to get out there. And if someone's doing the wrong thing, these guys are going to have no issues making sure that this gets handled correctly. And, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, so that just goes back to ego. And that just goes to show that Everybody needs to take a step down and ego. I don't know anybody that I've ever met in my entire life that uh, is a better person because they have a big ego. Your ego is not your amigo, is what I have always been told from the beginning. <laughs> Gentlemen, both of you guys are doing an awesome thing here. Um, what is the next step? So taking it from here, what do you need? How can we help? What kind of work do we want to get out to get this rolling? So right now, what we're doing is we're trying to, um, once we have our 501c3 set up, we're going to be taking donations. Um, and then those donations are going to go towards a very clear statement as, you know, you're going to see on our, you know, in the process of setting things up, you know, with websites and everything and making sure that you can see, all right, which department is going to get trained. Ideally, I'd like to go to the worst places ever. You know, I mean, I just start in the worst place ever. Find me the place that's like all hell breaking loose. And, you know, uh, we could we could put a program together for them. Um, you know, but I think this is just so commonly widespread that, you know, what we want to do is all departments reach out to us at endeavor one solutions at gmail.com. There's a one, not the word one. So, um, we want them to shoot us a message. We want them to, uh, let us know, you know, where the location is. We'll have a conversation. Um, obviously anyone in New Jersey or New York or Long Island reach directly out to us at EndeavorOneSolutions.com um, and we can set up a program immediately for you, get you training, um, you know, we'll figure out the funding and then we'll just hit go, you know, so, um, but we're, we're, our goal is to get this extremely well recognized throughout the country, um, you know, really raise the funds, you know, make it so that it's easy for these people to, and, and believe me, the ones that deny the program and don't want to support it, we're going to let everyone know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, you are not, you're not going to get away with this. If you're the guy that's like sitting there and you're like, I don't think this is for us. We're going to teach karate chops and eye pokes, you know, like oh, man. that's good luck, bud. You know, like it's coming. <laughs> and also guys, I, I do want to, I do want to take some time to recognize the jiu-jitsu community um, because ever since me and Aaron launched this and, and we've been talking about it, well, let me tell you the feedback from the jiu-jitsu community has been phenomenal. Um, different guys that me and Aaron uh, train with, uh, Ally Quinta has reached out, Charlie Campbell has reached out. So many cool people have just reached out and said, hey, man, um, whenever you, you, know, you, you guys really take off with this, I want to help in any way possible. And that just goes to show you the culture and community that is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, yeah, and I can't, I can't forget to, to, you know, to give you the, the full picture on Matt Serra was in my house teaching Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> in New Jersey, he drove out. Him and Hulk drove out to 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 New Jersey. Came out here. Marcel's there, and we had several captains. Um, I'm sorry, chiefs of different departments and a bunch of different officers here. 
I mean, I, I'm sitting there saying to myself, I'm like, these guys, I don't, you know, I think they know, but they don't know. And I don't, you know, like you're sitting there with an, a, a world champion, multiple world champion, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, the arguably best guy. That's it. It's almost like you're starting at the top, you know, and he's there and he's teaching them in the basement of my house in this, in this thing. And like, I mean, how cool is that? I mean, like you got a guy coming out here saying, I'm going to help you. I think this is a good idea. And, and he's teaching them. I mean, some amazing stuff. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. This guy is amazing. You know, and you got, you know, so we put a video together to kind of promote this situation, to let everyone know what we're doing and why we're doing it. And, you know, we reached out to all our friends, you know, like, like Marcel mentioned, you know, and Al, Aljo, everybody, you know, uh, everybody, yeah. uh, everybody, I mean, everyone, even uh, Tiffany Van Seuss out West, you know, she reposted it. Onion Topic in New Jersey, the Mo uh, Muay Thai kickboxer, all these guys just ate it up. They retweeted it. They sent it out. And these guys get paid to do that. Right. So this is like, you know, everybody's committed to it. And we've gotten more emails from the population you don't think is going to send you the emails from the people that you don't think are going to be supportive of this, just shooting out message. This is amazing guys, you know, police training, martial arts, and except not martial arts, Brazilian jujitsu and training wrestling and kickboxing. And they just, I mean, they're, they're just shooting messages out. And so I know as soon as we shot that video out, we posted it, we got like five, over 5,000 hits in like 24 hours. And we were just like, Oh man, this is, we're, we're hitting a nerve here. You know, something, something, yeah, something's yeah. going right. And, you know, and it's us doing this right now by ourselves. So imagine what we could do if we sign these partnerships with big corporations and we lock this down, we get someone that really wants to make a difference and says, here's X amount of dollars to make this program work rather than just, you know, us paying for everything, you know, um, you can, you you can make this difference. You know, you can get this done. I mean, it's, to me, it's very simple. I mean, when I, when I figure out a goal or set a goal, it's, all right, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. You know, I want to buy a house. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. Like, it's not very difficult for me. Like, and people like think you're crazy, but it's like, all right, I want to get married. I want to have children and I want to buy a house. Like, I, oh, it's not easy for you to do. Okay, good. You have fun. And we did it. And then, you know, like, like we said, you know, so it's like, and Marcel's in that process too now. You know, it's like, all right, I want to start a job. I remember when he told me he was going to go out on his own and do his own, you know, have his own agency and everything boom, that guy just, boom, he just took off. He didn't even like, you know, like he, it wasn't like he was like, oh, I'm going to try it out. You know, it's not like what you try. It's like, I've never seen, and, and this is like our mentality of, you know, I've never seen like a bait, even watching my, my two infants, you know, learn how to walk. Like, it wasn't like they fell on, uh, from learning how to walk. And like, they were like, oh, this isn't for me. I'm not going to walk. You know, it's like, for me, it's like, it's like, Okay, cool. We're going to fall. We're going to hit adversity. We're going to do the whole thing. Do you know how many times I've been there? I laid in a bed for almost a year learning how to walk again after my injury, after my first pro debut. So, you know, you want to talk about like learning how to get through yourself and losing your identity and learning how to like rebuild your identity back and, you know, really just, you know, bite down on your, like Ray said, bite down on your mouthpiece and swing. That was it. That was like that. I think of that too in my mind. Like now, I still say that now. It's I'm in the middle of a situation. I'm like, oh man, here we go. Bite down the mouthpiece and swing, you know. Or like he said in the corner sometimes, you know, he said, you know, uh, just, you know, uh, you want to go out on your shield. When I had an injury in the middle of a fight, you want it. Hell yeah. He stood me up and I was going to go. It's crazy, you know, but that mentality is what I think is going to be the successor, uh, successful driver here 
um, to this. So, you know, we appreciate you really just taking the time to talk to us on this. You know, obviously you're a brother of us, um, you know, so many different things that we're doing now, you know, you never, you never achieve anything without anyone, you know, so you have to have people with you. There's no one that's ever achieved anything great without supportive friends, family, colleagues, everyone. And, you know, I may not know everyone in this jujitsu community around the world or country or whatever it is, but what I will say is they know the art. They know what it means. If I say I'm a black belt on the mat, Sarah, it's not like I'm trying to say, oh, I'm the man, I'm this, that, whatever. It's they know this guy's a part of a something, you know, and he didn't quit at something. You know, it's a white belt that never gave up. I think that that's amazing, man. And obviously, I'm always happy to help anybody who's good people, but especially people through the jiu-jitsu community. And I'm happy to connect as many dots and as many communications as I can through people around the country. Um, anybody listening to this that wants those links, I will get all the direct links for the video and for the donations and for everything. And I'll post them permanently on my uh, my website so we can keep referencing back and people can just click on them. And, uh, and we'll get the word out there. And again, anybody who doesn't want to be part of this, something's wrong with them. And just to backtrack a little bit, when we were talking about egos, you know, you go back to a guy like Matt Serra that, you know, I'm always very, I always feel very fortunate to have interactions with him and Ray Longo. And I, I always try not to bother them, but I also don't want to like leave them out of stuff. And, you know, you're always walking that fine line. Like, well, if I don't invite them, cause I think I'm bothering them, then I might look like a dick for not asking. So, you know, I, I'd almost rather now just, just ask and throw it out there. And if they're like, he's annoying me, I'd rather that than be looked at as annoying than some like inconsiderate dick who's not their friend. So I, I recently have a, like a, a, an account for a jujitsu video. I won't say what it is. And I was like, ah, oh, I should send this to Matt. And then I was like, what am I thinking? He doesn't want to see an instructional jujitsu video. He's like, the best guy. he's going to be like, lose my fucking number, dude. Like, don't, you know? And, uh, and then I was like, no, I'm doing that thing again. I was like, you know what? I'll send it to him just to be courteous. And if he doesn't want it, he doesn't want it. And him being the guy who knows more about jujitsu than anybody I've ever met was like, I was like, Hey man, you probably don't want this. You probably know everything that's on here. And he was like, man, there's so much I still don't know. And I was like, just that mentality is what makes guys like Longo that you said are always trying to learn, always trying to up their game. And guys like all three of us that are always out there trying to better ourselves and better the people around us, I think is why we've all connected for more than a decade and continue to do so. So again, I'm always happy to help uh, raise, raise the tides, raise the stakes and help out any way I can. So um, if people want to reach out to you guys, not only for Endeavor One, but they want to talk about maybe getting proper insurance or they want to talk about uh, just investing in their future and a financial plan together from Aaron, how do they reach out to you guys as well? I think at this point, what we could do is we could just, you know, um, you know, stick with obviously Endeavor One Solutions, um, you know, and, and reach us out. But, you know, you know, seeking us out, you know, in many different, you know, multitude of ways, you know, is, is, is definitely possible through, you know, a little research. Okay, cool. Awesome. So we'll stick with that. I'll point everybody in that direction. Um, any closing thoughts before I let you guys go? I know we went long, but honestly, I could have talked to you guys for another two hours at this point. I have so many things we haven't yeah. even touched on. So um, hopefully we can make this regular and we can keep doing this again as your company grows and get the word out there. I'm happy to have you guys on many times. Yeah. Hey, Nick, you know, uh, I'll let, I'll let Aaron have the, the, the final words here, but uh, I just want to start, you know, saying thank you uh, for having us on and hosting us and letting us use your platform as a way to get our message across to as many listeners as possible. One thing I just want to let everyone know about Aaron and I is we are very passionate about everything we do and Endeavor One is obviously going to be no different. Um, we truly have the best interest 
or we feel we have the best interest of everybody at heart here. And we really also feel like we have a tool that we can make a difference with. This is why we're pushing it so hard and we really want to see it take off. Um, everybody involved has just been great thus far. We know we're going to hit some adversity uh, as we move further down the line. There's going to be red tape to get through. But like we all just said, the people who truly get it are going to get it and they're going to benefit from it. And that's what it's all about. Awesome. Yeah. And you know what, um, you know, to me, it's, you know, like I said, it's uh, getting, you know, a black belt, you know, under Matt Sarah, um, it means, you know, more than I could actually say. And I'm sure you could say the same thing. And, you know, it, uh, I want to represent properly, you know, um, because I think that's my responsibility. And, you know, being a black belt is not something, it's not just like a rank you attain or something like that. It's, it's, it's who you are and how you conduct yourself. So, you know, in going forward and using this in, in my challenge, you know, I may not be, I mean, every day I got to talk myself out of wanting to compete again and fight and everything like that. Cause I feel great, you know I mean? And I'd love to do it, but I know that it's not, it's not where I should be. And I know that, you know, I mean, like we all say, I mean, we, we all repeat the same thing pretty much, you know, Ray says it, you know, if he's, if he's not hundred percent in the game or Matt's not hundred percent in the game, they, they're done, you know, they're out. And I know I wouldn't be hundred percent in the game. I have too many things going on, you know? So, um, but you know, in, in doing this, you know, I really, you know, I truly feel, I, I don't see the obstacles that everyone else is seeing right now with actually getting something done. So, you know, it may sound crazy, but I, you know, pretty much have a history of displaying that, you know, I'm going to get what I want accomplished, you know, no matter what I want to do, even how crazy it sounds. If it sounds like I, if I say I want to, you know, do something absolutely unattainable to most people or 99.9% of the population. All right, cool. I'm fine with being that small piece that is going to do it. And I'm that guy that's like, in my mind, if it's like 0.0000000 chance that you could get it done one for, you know, 0.001, just saying there's a chance <laughs> so, so i'm gonna do it and i i really just think you know like uh i think we're gonna get it done i feel it you know if you if, if you're if you're if you're hooking us both up to a lie detector saying you know are we gonna get some sort of change and we gonna get this done are we gonna accomplish our goal and mission and our mission is gonna change over the years you know it may not be us training people per se one-on-one -on -one anymore it may be we're just running this foundation and we're just you know getting this thing going here um but man, people are going to know who we are and they're going to know what, what our message is. And, um, you know, we can't thank you enough for having us on here as the, uh, you know, our first podcast, you know, we hope it was okay. We hope people had a good time listening to, you know, some of the things that we talked about with, you know, with training and the history of jujitsu and everything. And, you know, it's just, it's a long line of, you know, a lot of lives, you know, and paths crossing and, you know, and, you know, once you're on that jujitsu Jedi council, you kind of, like, like I think Hulk said it to me. He said, he's like, there's uh there's like some magical powers that happen. You know? and it's, it's true, man. You know, you have some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of thing there, but uh, yeah, I can't, I, I, I'd be remiss to, you know, to forget to mention, you know, all those guys that have been a part of our training journey ever since, you know, especially James Gaber, you know, he was, uh, you know, a brother to me and um, you know, he hangs, you know, several of his pictures hang in my gym downstairs um, and, you know, every, I don't think a day goes by that we don't think about him. Uh, you know, I don't think about him, you know, in, in, you know, and everything. And I still hear him, you know, screaming at me and, you know, I just, just 
all the funny times we had together, you know, even before fights, right before fights, walking into the cage, you know, Matt telling me to dump my girlfriend because she was crazy in the crowd. <laughs> I'm literally walking in, I turn around and he's like, he's like, he's like, yo, Aaron, he's like, dump your girlfriend. And I'm like, literally walking in, they lock in the door. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then James and I walk back and he's just like, uh, Matt remembers that. But, and uh, James is in the back and there's this other uh, female fighter in the back. And, you know, I, I was warming up, I tip also, I just look over at James, I'm like, yo, like, so-and-so, she's kind of old. Yeah, and then James just died laughing and just couldn't believe it. Like, you just like, you just have this brotherhood and, and, and I definitely miss that, you know, as part of, um, you know, actually competing. So that's part of what it is, you know, with this, you know, always wanting to struggle and be in the struggle. It's, I think, you know, the day you stop struggling is the day it's over, you know, you're done. So thank you so much for having us. I hope everyone had a good time. Man, I thought this was great. I thought you guys shared a lot of great stories, a lot of great insights, not only for jujitsu, but for business. And obviously, um, it's very obvious that you're both very passionate about Endeavor One. Uh, Marcel, congrats on about to be a new daddy. I yeah. Hey, thank you, man. Some thoughts and prayers towards you and your family for a healthy baby. And I want to congratulate both of you guys on your success. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes, I know you both kind of gave some, is how you do anything is how you do everything. And what you guys have achieved uh, in your businesses and what you guys have achieved in jujitsu and in athletics is going to be the same thing you do with Endeavor One. And um, I 100% believe in what you guys are doing. And I 100% believe that both of you are more than capable and are absolutely going to hit your goals for all this. And then anything I could do to help, I am absolutely more than on board for. So just keep me posted. I know I took up a lot of your day. I know you got businesses to run and family to talk to. So I'll let you both go. But thank you very much for being on and I look forward to having you guys on again. Check the show notes. I'll put all the links to and connect with both of you guys. Marcel, Sean Robin, and Mr. Aaron Friedman. Have an outstanding day. Thank you guys very much and I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. You too, brother. Thank you. Take it easy.